Catherine. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Friday. And I'm off straight after the show. My boys are taking me on a special birthday surprise somewhere. I don't know where. All I've been told is I have to bring a torch. Huh? It could actually be something quite unpleasant. As long as it's not an internal examination, I'm fine. Although my boys know me so well. Lots coming up on the show this morning. Or as always, it'd be good to get your uh, uh, thoughts on on these. You were very busy on the phones yesterday. We'll have some more of that, please. The Facebook and the texts are great, but it's kind of nice for you to come on the phone and have a laugh and, and maybe even have an argument. I don't mind those. Feisty Friday, I'm calling it now. It's better than what was suggested a few minutes ago by members of my team. Deary, deary me, your license fee is paying their wages. I would, I would uh, question that. The number of apprenticeships on offer in Hertfordshire has more than doubled compared to this time last year. Have you been an apprentice or taken one on? Is enough being done to tackle forced marriage in the three counties? And you know what it's like. There's someone you fancy... You want to impress them, so maybe you kind of do something to impress them. What have you done? I became vegetarian to impress a girl. Took a couple of years, but boy, oh boy, did it work. What have you done to impress the opposite sex? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on, please, otherwise I'm not going to read it out. Uh, but the best way, look, all of the lines are free. So give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The number of apprenticeships on offer in Hertfordshire has more than doubled compared to this time last year. Nationally, there's a, an increase in online applications, although in Bedfordshire, there's been a 16% fall. Sarah Benioff is the Service Director for the National Apprenticeship uh, Service, which released the steps. Morning, Sarah. Good morning. Why, why this jump? Why, why are uh, less people taking them up or are more being offered? What's, what's happening? I think, I think it's, it's probably both. I mean, there's really probably never been a better time to do an apprenticeship, to take on an apprentice... Um, you know, 500,000 people started an apprenticeship last year, and so people are getting out there, are, there are jobs out there. We have 370,000 people made applications online across the country uh, in, the past, in the past three months, and we have about 33,000 actual jobs on our website, apprenticeships.org.uk, in the past three months across the country. What are the benefits of, of being an apprentice over a, a degree or a post-grad course? Well, it's, I think it's a really viable alternative right now to, to a degree. It's a, it's a very personal choice, but basically you earn while you learn. So you can get a degree up to degree level while you're earning a great salary, you know, creating your career and becoming a really skilled, qualified employee with, with a great employer. Some people might argue, Sarah, that it, it could be perceived as a, a way of getting cheap labour. We, we found some apprenticeships in Luton where they only pay £80 a week. Well, that I would certainly like to look into that because there is an apprenticeship minimum wage which starts at age 16 with our youngest apprentices and goes all the way up to adult apprentices. And, and the average apprentice is getting over 200 pounds a week, and that's the average. 
How do you go about vetting uh, uh, companies that are offering these jobs? Well, basically, we work with uh, uh, many, many reputable employers, all the big names that you've ever probably heard of. We check them personally, as well as the training providers and colleges with whom we work on the qualifications. They also check the employers. So there are a lot of checks going on. And before anyone can register... Uh, a job on our apprenticeship vacancy website. They go through many quality checks. And what are the most popular uh, apprenticeships that people take? At the moment, on our on our website, on apprenticeships.org.uk, business and administration are coming in top um, in terms of both the number of jobs out there and the people applying. But you name it, and there's there's an apprenticeship. So we have apprenticeships in children and young people's workforce, in hospitality and catering, in engineering, in uh, media, digital, you, you name it, it's out there. Well, listen, uh, best of luck. Carry on doing the good work. That's Sarah Benioff, Service Director for the National Apprenticeship Service. Have you been an apprentice? Did it help? Why did you choose that route as opposed to maybe carrying on your education? Did, did it help? Was it easy? Did you feel you were getting a fair deal? Or were you one of these working for one of these companies that was only getting paid £80 a week? And have you taken on apprentices? If you run a business, were they any good? We have heard stories of uh, uh, companies taking on apprentices and the apprentices don't even bother to turn up. Later on in the show, we'll be discussing what have you done to impress the opposite sex or the same sex. It's 2013. Everything goes, man. Uh, what have you done? We'll talk about that a bit later on. Front pages of the papers. To be honest, I, I've not um, looked at these in the slightest this morning. I've not really looked at the show. We're having so much fun upstairs chatting and uh, arguing and uh, offending Catherine Boyle that uh, I've not really looked at anything. So let me just have a quick sort of these papers and um, let's see what's going on. Right. Ah, of course, yes, a lot of it is... Uh, uh, the uh, conviction of um, Mark Bridger yesterday, who uh, is, was found guilty of the murder of, uh, murder of April Jones, and he's going to spend the rest of his life uh, in, in prison. April's killer jailed for life, says the Guardian. Bridger refuses to say what he did with the girl's body. Jurors weep as mother's, uh, mother tells court of her anguish. Um, what else is there? We won't cooperate with Snoopers Charter, says Web Giants. The five biggest internet companies in the world including Google and Facebook, have privately delivered a thinly-veiled warning to the Home Secretary, Theresa May, they will not voluntarily cooperate with the Snoopers Charter. I, I say good for them. I do think the Snoopers Charter is not a brilliant idea. And what I find slightly distasteful is, have you noticed that some people are now using uh, the murder of um, that gentleman in Woolwich last week? Well, did this proves we need the Snoopers Charter. Well, no, it doesn't prove we need a Snoopers Charter at all. It doesn't prove that at all. And shame on you for bringing uh, Lee Rigby into this, this argument. Nothing to do with him. Uh, the Independent. Uh, she fought to come into the world. She fought to stay in this world. And he's taken her not only from us, but from everyone who loved her. How will we ever get over it? April Jones's mother, after Mark Bridger was found guilty. Uh, jailed preacher who trained 21-7 bombers linked to Woolwich suspect. One of the suspects uh, in the murder of drummer Lee Rigby is believed to have had contact with a terrorist instructor. And then th there's a, a little thing about Mick Jagger. He's basically stuck... He's, he set up yours, Delors, to the BBC. He stuck his fingers up to the BBC. The Stones, of course, playing Glastonbury. Why would you bother? Why would you go? I mean, a load of hippies taking acid in a field. Oh, exactly. Kelly Betts just said, Yeah, oh, that sounds good. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to go after that. Rock legends demand blackout to stop corporation broadcasting their entire Glastonbury set live on TV, radio and internet. Well, good for them. 
the times uh superman is there a new superman film coming out oh sweet i'll have some of that after i've after i've been to see the uh liberace movie i seem to be the only person in the world that's excited about the liberace film oh i can't wait michael douglas playing liberace that fella playing the other fella this is it's a it's a dream they're they're all they're both 10 years too old to play the parts they're playing but it looks wonderful can't wait for that uh, the Times murder of April Jones was obsessed obsessed with Soham Killer. Someone, uh, 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 a um, uh, some commentator said, "Well, this shows that uh, there is a link between violent child pornography and child murders." Uh, duh, uh, duh, yeah, you think between violent, violent child pornography and, and really. I would never have thought of that. The Daily Telegraph, murder of April proves porn link to sex assaults. Uh, well, there you go. Why marriage makes you happier than a large salary. Um, uh, take your coat off. Summer is on the way. Yes, we'll, we'll see about that. We'll have a look at the Mail, the Express uh, and the Sun a little bit later on. I, I need to get your stories on what you have done to impress the opposite or, indeed, the same sex. I actually became a vegetarian to get a girl to go out with me. It worked. It took another kind of 18 months of, of persuasion, but I, it, it worked. I certainly got the snogs in. I totally did. Yeah, Kerry, I've become a vegetarian. Oh, really? Snogs. They're not much for 18 months and then, you know. Uh, and I'm still a vegetarian. Not, not because I'm holding a candle for Kerry. That, that candle has long since melted down and uh, been, been chucked in the bin. But uh, it, it kind of... It, it was what I did... To impress her. So, what have you done, dear listener? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Well, our uh, love correspondent is Justin Dilly. Good morning, Justin. Yeah. Good morning, Ian. You well? I said our love correspondent, not our dirty pervert <laughs> correspondent. Oh, you are pathetic, aren't you? Sorry. Becoming a vegetarian for love? What, how is What's that, that all about? How is that pathetic? That's romantic. Did That's... you like? Did you used to really enjoy eating meat? I used to like a bit of roast lamb. Yeah, and you gave that up. I gave oh. it up for, for... Somebody should love you for you. You shouldn't have to change. But it's ridiculous. But what I was doing, Justin, is I was saying to Carrie, look, I am so in love with you, I will do anything. And look, mm. this is this mm. is just one small little token gesture I've made. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you, well, you, must have done, you must have done things to impress girls. Yeah, I've done lots of things to impress girls, but I certainly wouldn't change who I am. I certainly wouldn't give up my meat. Um, I like to cook, though. They I wouldn't want you to. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they see in you. They see, yeah. Um, I cooked a lovely meal once for Valentine's Day. Um, took me about three hours to cook it. It was all beautiful. Um, sadly, I was up all night being ill. Um, don't know quite why, but um, something had upset me in that meal. Put it that way. Did you? You only cooked a meal once. Well, I've done it a few times, but that was a special meal. That was yeah. um, something out of a book, and I... Wow, I was out of a book, was it, it was Justin? out of a book, and wow. I followed it bit by bit, but sadly... You made it with me, love, did you? I made it with love, sadly, Ooh. for me, though. It didn't quite um, agree with me. Is that the only thing? The thing is, Justin, let's be honest, you are a, a little bit of, of a fashion disaster. <laughs> you do know with your ripped <laughs> jeans and yeah, your, you your Val Dunican cardigan and your big pink T-shirt today, uh, uh. You, you do need to put in that little bit of extra effort, don't you? Well, I certainly don't want tips from you, that's for sure. Ooh, how rude, how rude. Now, you've been talking to people uh, in the three counties, asking them what they've done. 
Yes, I have. Uh, what I've done to um, impress the opposite sex. It, it, we had a slight embarrassing situation yesterday, and I'll tell you about this first. Um, I went up to this man and I said to him, um, Sir, can, can I borrow your time for a second? I'm from the BBC, I'm from Ian Lee's programme. I said, I'm looking for, for what you've done to impress the opposite sex. And he was quite forthright in the answer. Absolutely nothing. Oh. And so I asked again, I said, nothing at all? He said, no, absolutely nothing. Um, nah, I'm gay, mate. So I said to him, well, if you're gay, have you done anything to uh, impress the, the same sex? No, nothing at all. So it was a rather oh. brief conversation, but I did ask people what they've done to impress their partners, and yep. this is what people had to say. Thank you for that, uh, that anecdote. A couple of months ago, there was, uh, we were, I was out with my girlfriend shopping, and uh, she wanted some earphones, and they were about 120 quid, and I thought it was the most ridiculous price yeah. in the world for a pair of earphones, but she suddenly got the ump, and she got upset, and so she went to the, she went to the bathroom, and the time she got back, I went and bought them, and uh, it made her day. It just hit my pocket a bit too hard, but yeah, and that's, that's the the last thing that um, I done that was a little bit special that she 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 appreciated. I would cook for a woman. Best way in my mind works most of the time. Okay. <laughs> so, so what do you cook? Uh, take us through um, a, a typical dish. Typical dish for me would be like roast chicken, boiled veg, because you've got to get their health and all that lot in mind as well. You can't cook them chips. It's just not a woman's heart. They want the easy healthy option. It's got to be tasty and healthy. Definitely. And, um, what do you think about Ian back in the studio? Ian became a vegetarian to impress his other half. Is that just bordering on ridiculous? Well, for a meat man myself, I wouldn't change what I do, what I eat, to impress a woman. If she doesn't take it the way I want it, I'll leave her. We'll just try and help out with his two children because his wife abandoned them. But, you know, we, I don't need to impress him because he likes me the way I am. And I like him the way he is. Just sometimes the two children bring me to a point where I could scream. (laughs) (laughs) Rosalind, you really pull out the stops to impress your partner. Can you tell us what you do to impress? Um, Cook him a nice meal, go with him when he wants to go to cricket, watch cricket on the television. (laughs) He's Um, got his dream woman here, isn't he? Goes to New Zealand and watches cricket with him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's a lucky guy, isn't he? (laughs) I should hope so. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about what you cook him. If you're going to really impress him, he comes back from work, what would you cook pie. him? He loves his meat pie or anything, but that's his favourite. So he comes home from work and you don't tell him, you go, there you go, big boy, there's your pie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Did she actually mean meat pie or is that a euphemism? No, no, she actually means meat pie. Good for her, yeah. well done. £120 on some headphones? I know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? But She, hey, she it. has got that gentleman totally under her thumb. <laughs> she throws a strop, um, walks away for a moment, comes back and, and he buys the headphones. He sadly fell for it. I want, I want me Dr Dre's! <laughs> I want me Dre's! Where's me Dre's? Yeah, me Dre's. Oh, silly stuff. But so, uh, would, what, what could a woman do to impress you, Justin? What would you like? Um, what would I like? Um, I would like a Someone lady, to sew up your jeans or? Uh, sew up my jeans for me to, to cook me some nice meals and to write cards. You know what? I'm a man Sorry? of words. Write I, cards? Yeah, to write me a nice card every now and again just to say... What does that even well, mean? Well, you know, writing nice cards. You go into a shop, you buy a card. You know a card? Heard of that? I, I know a card, but what, for your birthday? No, just you don't have to, to write a card for birthday or Christmas. You can write a card just to tell somebody that you love them. No, what? I like that. No, I'm giving... What, just giving a card, just for the sake of yeah. giving a card? So yeah. what, you come down, and there's your cornflakes, there's your orange juice, and then there's a card. It's a, all right, Justin, I, I really love you. I just bought this card to say that. Yes, absolutely. That's mental. I, I do that quite often. Really? Yes.
But cards are really expensive. <laughs> oh, come on. You're looking at about a pound for a card. Oh, you, oh, you, buy, you buy the classy ones. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry, exactly. Josh, I didn't realise. Uh, buy a nice pack for, 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 what, two or three quid. Keep them there for the year. But no, in all seriousness... Yes, let's I be think serious. that's really nice. That's really, really nice, because every now and again, you've got to tell your partner what she means to you, and I think the best way to do it is to do that with you sitting down and writing it. None of this computer nonsense. Sitting down and writing it. Well, Justin Dilly, every time I get a glimpse into your mind, I, I really, um... Scared. I do. I wish I didn't know you. <laughs> Thanks, Ian. Justin, speak to you later. Cheers. Good lad. There we go. Justin Daly. Who, who sends... Who just gives cards just for the sake of giving cards? I, re- I rarely do it on birthdays. I certainly don't do it at Christmas. I'm not going to spend money on a Christmas card. He wants his, his, uh, the women in his life just to give him a card for the sake of giving him a card. I suspect the gentleman is having some kind of nervous breakdown. Well, it's over to you. What have you done to impress your partner, the opposite, or indeed the same sex? 08459 455 555. Are you, do you not bother? Are you one of those, uh, you know, you take me as I am. If you're, not, if you're not digging what you're getting, then get out of here. 08459 455 555. Uh, you can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC uh, 3CR. Or you can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Put your name on the text, please. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, Ultimate Frisbee. Uh, and what have you done to impress uh, your partner? 08459 455 555. Now, we've all played with the Frisbee. We've all been in the park and chucked a Frisbee at a dog or at a child. But my next guests are, are taking that to another level. The first Ultimate Frisbee competition of the year is kicking off tomorrow in Hertfordshire. Around 80 teams from across the UK are going to be competing at Arsenal Football Club's training ground in London Colney. Uh, we've got Cat Gale from St Albans, part of the Ultimate Frisbee Team GB, and also teaches the sport at schools in Hertfordshire, uh, and her husband, Luke Dubaizovic. Did I get that right, Luke? You did indeed, I did, OK, you. I was panicking. He also <laughs> plays for Team GB. Luke, we'll, we'll start with you. Turns out Ultimate Frisbee... It doesn't have razor blades on, on the side or anything. No, no, it doesn't. Um, it's just a name uh, made up in America, so uh, ah. it, it comes across that way. Just thinking if you want to make it a bit more dangerous, just, you know, it's something... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is Ultimate Frisbee? Then? So Ultimate Frisbee uh, is a team sport with a disc. Um, it's played seven on seven yep. on a 100 metre by 40 metre pitch, which is slightly longer than a football pitch, but narrower. Uh, it's like a cross between American football and netball. Yep. Um, at each end of the pitch there's end zones To score a point Your team have to catch the disc in the end zone Yeah, uh, You can't run with the disc oh. uh, It's a non-contact sport oh. um, And it's self-refereed there's no referee Cat that sounds like nonsense um, Yeah it does to most people to begin with But actually um, once you get playing And uh, you get used to it And it works, actually works really well You don't get any dirty players taking dives Or, or, or what do they call it in cricket Sledging where they come up and they, they bad mouth Your mums and things you don't Put it get this way, there's, there's no word for it in Frisbee because it doesn't happen Oh I um, see So I mean it's um, The better way of thinking about it is that everyone is a ref So everyone has to know all the rules there are Right um, and the system is set up so that um, if you make a foul call, for example, which is a perfectly legit- legitimate call, yeah. um, if you agree on what happened, wow. then you ca- play carries on as if the foul hadn't happened. If you disagree, um, then the disc goes back to the last uncontested thrower. Wow. So the idea is that everyone plays as competitively as they possibly can. And trust me, if you can find competition in throwing a frisbee around, you, you're pretty competitive. It's like a social. It sounds like a socialist nirvana. Then you're all kind of helping each other and agreeing with each other. How did you get into it? Kat, how did you get into it first? Um, so, uh, my brother played for a couple of years at uni, 
um, and he really enjoyed it. And so that was one of the things I looked for when I went to uni myself mm. and sort of started playing with the university team. And then uh, over the holidays, I play with sort of um, Luke and my sister's team, sort of um, in Newcastle, and then we'd compete in sort of. Uh, national competitions down, up and down the country. So uh, it's mixed teams, is it? So there's there's different divisions of play. Right. There's the open division, which is 99% guys these days. Yeah. Uh, there's a women's division, which is women only. Uh, and then there's the mixed division, which is uh, both genders. Right. Um, and it's one of the few sports that you can play on field equally without too much trouble. Okay. Um, and what's happening this weekend, then? What's what's the big event? So this weekend, uh, down in London Colney... Yep. Um, is the uh, you're getting look you can you can I know, you're, not, I know. you're getting bossed around by oh that. no no it's, it's my fault because I said the Arsenal training ground it's not it's UCL UCL so, yeah. there we go that's, that's <laughs> quite clear, sorry we? about that no we're really grateful for them. there's sort of a thousand players that will sort of Descend land on this, on this pitch tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so we've got um, we've got eighty eight teams coming from the UK. So that's six coming over from Europe. Yep. Um, it's the first open and women's tour of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the mixed tours have already happened. Um, and um, yeah, we're going to be playing six six so ninety if, minute if, games. If people come, but people can come and watch. I'm assuming. They certainly can. Yes. What, what what are they going to see? They're going to see uh, a lot of people sprinting around right. uh, a pitch. They're going to see a lot of people uh, jumping pretty high to catch discs. Um, and they're going to see a lot of people, what's called laying out, which is diving to catch the disc before it hits the ground. Oh, I see. Now, now it's sounding exciting. So yes. one, of the, uh, one of the rules is if the disc hits the ground is a turnover. So okay. the other team get possession. Right. Um, so you have to keep the disc um, sort of alive in the air. Um, to be able to keep possession of it. Can you hold it and think, well, you, do, do you have to throw it instantly? So you get there? 10 seconds okay. on the disc, yep. um, and it's counted by your opponent um, as they come to mark you. Um, so this weekend, for example, we've got 88 teams. Um, if you had officials in the game, yep. um, you'd have to have about three referees per game. Wow. There's about 250 games going on, so you need about 800 referees. Blimey. I can see so, why you're self-refereed. It makes <laughs> sense. So self-refereed opens the sport up to having competitions like this one uh, and also keeps the costs down. So just where, where exactly is this happening tomorrow then and, and what times it will so kick So it's off? the UCL uh, Sports Ground, which yep. is off Bell Lane uh, down in London Colney. Yep. Um, there's games going on from 9 o'clock Saturday till 8 p.m. Saturday. 9 o'clock Sunday till 5 p.m. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Sunday. Uh, Sunday, sorry. Uh, the most interesting games, uh, there's a show game from uh, 7 p.m. on Saturday evening. Yep. That'll be the GB under-23 team against the Irish under-23 team. Uh, and then the finals uh, start at 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Okay, so people can come down and see that. And you mentioned that there are a couple of teams that are looking for sponsorship as well. Oh, well, yeah. So um, this summer is the um, World Games in Cali. and Columbia. Thank you. In Colombia. I'm getting a bit of tension between you two. Is everything all right? Do you need counselling or anything? I, I can recommend someone good. No, but it, it's never a good thing when we play on the same team together. Right. Yeah, and there's no government sponsorship. So every player um, who plays national, international level have to fund themselves. Right. So um, the teams try and get as much sponsorship as they can from companies and things. So the World Games team are definitely trying to get as much support because they've got to get 13 players out, a physio, their sort of captain, coach, and um, and it's going to cost sort of, you know, upwards of £5,000. So, yeah, they're looking for... Kickstarter. Put yeah. it on Kickstarter. So they've got an Indiegogo campaign. Yep. If you just search for GB World Games Ultimate, you'll find it on there. Brilliant. I think it's got uh, two or three days left to run on that. Okay. Um, I think in total, the whole team is going to cost them about £38,000 
to uh, to get out there and play. Not so much. at the moment, each of them is contributing a fair whack. Well, listen, thank you so much for coming in uh, this morning. Very nice to meet you, uh, and uh, I, I hope you enjoy the weekend. And um, I hope you. it all goes smoothly. It's very nice. To meet. Ultimate frisbee. Ever played it? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Now, two women are due back in court today in Luton after it was alleged they breached a court order banning any arranged wedding, something that both women deny. Well, the actual act of forced marriage isn't illegal in the UK, but is it uh, enough being done to stop it? Our reporter, Raj Patney, spoke to Carla Thomas, who's the joint head of the forced marriage unit, and asked her how big the problem is. We see around 1,500 cases a year that comes from calls to our public helpline. But obviously that's really only the tip of the iceberg because so many people are still afraid to come forward. Part of the work we do around the country going into schools and colleges and universities. So we go, we talk to young people, we tell them what the signs of a forced marriage are and what they can do if they're worried about themselves or if they're worried about one of their friends as well because that's a really important way for us to find out about cases. And as well as that, we're trying new ways to reach people. So we've just launched a smartphone app which you can download on the App Store. It's named after Freedom Charity. And that tells young people what the signs of a forced marriage are and allows them to make contact with us that way if that's what they prefer. At the moment, the act of forced marriage isn't illegal. What measures do you take to prevent it from happening? So it's not illegal at the moment, but we are currently legislating to make forcing someone to marry a criminal offence. And that legislation is on its way through Parliament now, and we'd expect it to be passed this year or next year. So that's on its way, but there are still current legal protections. So the main one being a forced marriage protection order, and that's a civil order that you obtain in the family courts, which can be used to protect someone against a forced marriage or to help them return back to the UK if they've been taken overseas for a forced marriage. But of course, all that goes along with all the work our unit's doing, helping individuals who are going through cases, giving them advice and helping them come back if they've been taken overseas. You mentioned the forced marriage protection order there. Who are they usually given to? Well, anyone can go out and get an order on their own behalf or on behalf of someone else. So in a lot of cases, the police or social services will get an order on someone's behalf. And again, it's for people who are at risk of being forced into marriage or people who have already been forced into marriage and need some extra protection as a result of that. Obviously, there are cases where some of the people involved, the victims, are under 18. Is it quite difficult to reach them and and get them help? Well, if the victim's under 18, if we're notified of a case, the first thing we do is report it to social services, because obviously it is a child protection issue. But again, for young people, what we would try and do is talk to them on their own when they're away from their parents and when they can tell us what they want to happen what they're worried about, and we can tell them what kind of support there is out there. You go into schools, you talk to students. Is there much advice and and information available for adults as well? Yeah, of course. So if an adult's worried, they can have a look at our website or they can call our helpline. And as well as young people, we do get a lot of calls from adults over 18 as well. And again, if someone calls us, we'll talk them through their options, explain what their rights are, what choices they have, and help them come up with a solution that they want to happen and help them get out of that situation. That was Carla Thomas, uh, who's joint head of the Forced Marriage Unit. 08459 455 505. Shall we find out what's happening on the trains and the, the, the roads? Shall we? Yeah. Thank you very much, Ian. Looking all right. You are right, Adam? Yeah, I'm good, I'm you, good. You sound a little bit down. Don't know why. Has anything happened? I mean, 
it may not be the right place to talk about it, but I'm always, I've always got an ear if you... Well, I've got two if, if you wanted to speak into one or either of them. It's, it's always good to know that you've got two ears in. No, yep. I'm, I'm fine, and I'm looking at the roads, and there's nothing going well, on. Well, in, in that case, if you're fine, could you maybe, yeah. I don't know, perk up a little bit? You know, just okay. don't, don't need to bring everyone down. No problem. Is that no okay? Problem. Right. Do you want me to start again? Yeah, OK, it's all right. all right. Let's find out what's happening on the roads and the trains. It's Adam Glynn, the crazy travel guy. Thanks very much, Ian. Looking at the A1 much better. toward London, Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. How did that feel? Different. <laughs> oh, you made me chuckle. Thank you, Adam. You're a good sport, as always. We are asking this morning, what have you done to impress uh, your partner or a member of the opposite or indeed the same sex? If you go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR, you will see a picture of me doing my best to impress um, the, the rather n- disinterested Justin Dealey. We had to take that photo seven times before he was happy with it. So there's a show, which you may or may not have heard, uh, Saturday evenings, uh, BBC Introducing, it's on BBC Three Counties Radio, unsigned, uh, undiscovered and upcoming musicians. To be honest, you listen to it and some of them you realise why they're unsigned. But, 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 there is also, there's only a few of those, there are some brilliant, brilliant bands and singers and songwriters and things. If you want to have a chance of getting your music on the show, uh, then go to bbc.co.uk forward slash, it's never a backward slash, Introducing. Uh, and you can upload it there. I would suggest upload your best one. It's just a suggestion. I, mean, I don't know much about the music business, but I would always suggest upload your best one. Don't upload uh, your rubbish songs, please. Try and make them a bit bouncy. Uh, now, it could be played on BBC Introducing by a bloke called Gareth. It could be played on my show. More importantly, it could be reviewed by this lady, Nanny Eileen. Good morning, Eileen. Good morning, Ian. For those who don't know, because we, we're getting new listeners all the time, uh, unfortunately, uh, my grandparents, uh, my biological grandparents, are no longer with me. You came on the show one day. You were so delightful. I've adopted you as my as my new nanny, Eileen. And it's going rather well, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Are you enjoying... Am I being a good grandson? Oh, excellent. Yes. I couldn't uh, ask for better. Oh, you're <laughs> lovely. Uh, now, Nanny Eileen, what have you been up to this week? Um, well, not lot because it was a little bit chilly and a little bit damp but we did have a lovely walk on the um uh, heathland at royston on yep. wednesday that was beautiful yeah oh now you mentioned the royce the, the heathland at royston one of the things when you're a celebrity nanny Eileen, when you're famous is you get to um you get invited to things you get you get invited to um uh, various events and functions and um, premieres and things like that well nanny Eileen. Mm. You're a celebrity now. You've been invited to a function. Oh, really? Yes, Pat Duckworth has got in touch on the Facebook page. Says, uh, Dear Ian, the Committee of Royston Secrets would like to invite Nanny Eileen to Royston Open Secrets on the 9th of June at the Heath. We know she enjoys the Heath and loves dogs, and we have a dog show as part of the event. It will be lovely to meet her. You're joking. No, I'm not. That's Pat Duckworth. Oh, brilliant. So that, that's good. I, 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 I've just looked up this Royston Open Secrets online. It doesn't yes. look bad. There's uh, a barbecue. Yeah. Fingers crossed the weather's nice. Kids' activities. Do you like kids' activities? Oh, I love them, yes. Do you? Oh, classic cars. You like your cars? Oh, yes. Dogs' agility and lots, lots more. Oh. So you should go along and be guest of honour. <laughs> You've been invited. You, you should definitely get a few free bits, a few uh, free ribs on the barbecue. Uh, um, no, I'm a vegan. Oh, uh, oh, good for you. <laughs> did you did you do that to become uh, to impress someone? Good grief, no. Oh, I, I became a vegetarian to impress Kerry. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I did it for a joke, actually. I've been a vegetarian most of my life and um, got into veganism about ten years ago. Did it more or less as a joke and stuck with it. How, how can you become a vegan for a joke? It's one of the biggest lifestyle changes you can make. Not really. Oh, it is, di- oh, it, it, it is tricky being a vegan. I've met some vegans. Most of them are bonkers, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, exactly, yes. Uh, well, listen, Nanny Island, you're here to review yes. the uh, BBC Introducing track this week. Yes. It's um, by a group called Still Young. Yes. The, oh, no, sorry, the song is uh, Still Young. It's I by, like it. I like it as well. It's mm. by Broken Boats. Yeah. They're a four-piece acoustic folk band from St Albans. Oh, brilliant. Do you want to have a... a oh, bro- Broken Boats. It says Broken Boats on my screen, Kelly Betts. It says... Bro- Kelly Betts, it says Broken Boats on the screen. Go, go on there. It says... I, I'm going to get her to apologise to us, Nanny Island. I'll not stand for this. It says Broken Boats on my screen, Kelly, uh, Kelly Betts. On your screen? Yes, on my screen. On your script? On the screen. That's an error. Would you like to apologise to myself and Eileen? I would like to apologise. Oh, bless her. Yeah, you say error. bless her, Eileen. We've got to keep... People think I'm harsh with my, my team, <laughs> but we have to, uh, we have to keep them uh, under control. Otherwise, <laughs> they'll be up... Are you sure it's, it's... Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. The script says it's called Still Young by Broken Boats. Hmm. So you're not, you don't mean that apology, do you? No, I, I don't mean the S either. It's just broken boat. You're, you're fired. <laughs> right, Eileen, should we have a listen? I'll speak to yes. you at the other side of this. Okay. Well, there we go. I thought that was... Well, it, it doesn't matter what I think about it. That was Broken Boat and Still Young. What did you think, Nanny Eileen? I loved it. It's good, wasn't it? I really liked that. He's got a very sweet voice. Oh, and the words meant something and they were positive. He, th- Whoever wrote that is a poet. Yes. They didn't just bang that out in five minutes. Oh, baby, I love you. Come on, let's go and do it somewhere. Yeah. It was it was positive. It yeah. was poetry. Yeah, that was beautiful. And I did like that acoustic guitar sound. Oh, so did I. Oh, it was, it was so yeah. crisp. Yeah. Oh, 11 out of 10 for that one. Oh, <laughs> you've given it a mathematical <laughs> impossibility. I like exactly. it when you get excited. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Eileen, listen, have you got anything planned for this weekend? Uh, yes, I'm going up to London on on uh, Sunday. Oh. To meet up with some friends. Oh, that'll be nice. And have a bit of fun. Oh, lovely. Yes. Don't, don't n- please, don't, listen, don't give the three counties a bad name. Don't get drunk and start graffitiing and causing trouble, will you? I wouldn't do anything Well, like I, I don't. I like me drop a lager, but I'm not allowed. <laughs> drop a lager. Eileen, have a lovely weekend. It's and always you. nice to talk to you, and I'll speak to you soon. And you, Cheers, my dears. Bye-bye. There we go. Nanny Eileen, isn't she just a gift to us all? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give me a call. <laughs> This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Coming up between now and eight o'clock, we'll have the uh, latest on the uh, April Jones situation that uh, was, uh, well, it was all held out in court yesterday. And we'll find out exactly what's been going on. The number of apprenticeships on offer in Hertfordshire has more than doubled compared to this time last year. Have you been an apprentice or have you taken one on? And what have you done to impress the opposite sex? 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. There are calls for internet search engines to do more to block child pornography in the wake of the April Jones murder. Mark Bridger is beginning a whole life sentence for killing the five-year-old, with the judge describing him as a paedophile and a pathological liar. Well, during the trial, it emerged that detectives found images of child abuse on Bridger's laptop. 
Our reporter, Paul Scoynes, has the latest. Paul, campaigners say that not enough is being done. Yes, Ian, various charities have spoken about this. We've heard from the NSPCC, we've heard from various women's uh, violence groups as well. Um, And John Carr, who's a member of the government's Council on Child Internet Safety, has said that by making uh, the number of sites uh, that are available automatically blocked by search engines, you actually then would make it more difficult for paedophiles to access these sorts of graphic images. And he says that search engines could and should be doing more. Um, we've seen from various uh, charities that there is a link between uh, viewing graphic sexual images and then committing crimes. Former head of the Child Exploitation and Online Protection Centre, Jim Gamble, has actually described Bridger's behaviour. He was using these images, and if he had been arrested simply for viewing those images, he might not even have gone to prison. The fact of the matter is, we need to learn lessons, we need to step back and say, what else do we know about this person viewing these images? He was a liar, a habitual liar. Everyone's friend on the outside and no one's friend on the inside. He went from relationship to relationship where he was controlling and abusive. What measures are currently in, pr- in place? Well, if you go to Google at the moment, the current default setting is moderate. And uh, campaigners are saying that they should introduce their safe search option as the default setting. What that does is automatically take out those hardcore pornography sites and actually make it far more difficult for children and also paedophiles to access this sort of uh, material. Google have said that they have a zero tolerance policy on si- uh, child sexual abuse content. They said they're members uh, of the Internet Watch Foundation, which is a group which identifies these problem sites and then tells the search engines about it uh, about them and then the search engines remove them from their servers effectively blocking them from the internet and they say that when they discover this sort of uh, imagery or at least are made aware of it they then respond very quickly and remove it to, uh, uh, to to their systems and report it to the appropriate law enforcement authorities so they say that they're already done already doing that there are however concerns that 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 perhaps there's a sluggishness from this uh, from the from the Uh, internet search engines because they're waiting for all of them to do it at the same time because (laughs) there is a concern that there's a competitive element to this if one doesn't do it then the others might be used to to, you know so that that which seems crazy really well uh, it's what seems obvious to me is that there must be an impact on child pornography and the behavior of paedophiles Yes, uh, there is seemingly a, an increasing link between that. Peter Davis, who's the chief executive of the uh, Child Exploitation Online Protection Centre, CEOP, has said that uh, the viewing of these uh, images does lead to an escalation in offending. He says it results in offenders committing contact with uh, child sexual uh, sort of contact child sexual offences sorry that's what they're, they're officially termed uh, he says that in other uh, cases there are images which are viewed and once they're viewed offending begins he says that the there are clearly uh, ongoing impacts on the victims within those pictures as well and that's something that uh, claude knights who's the director of kidscape says and she says that more regulation should be considered there is enough of a link for us to be concerned it certainly seems to fuel the propensity and gives that sort of engine to the person who who actually has that tendency to be attracted to children because some of the images are you know so horrific and, and one mustn't forget that each image is a crime scene well that thanks to paul scoins for reporting on that what do we do what do we do should we just ban pornography on the internet is that what we need to do would you like to see that happen we ban pornography on the internet Oh, it couldn't be done because... Yeah, it could. You could. In Iceland, they've just introduced an opt-in system. So no one can access pornography on their computer 
uh, unless they kind of phone up their service provider and say, yes, I'd like, to, I'd like to view pornography, please. And you opt into it. Is that what we should do here? Should we ban pornography on the internet? 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good news for people applying for apprenticeships. The number of vacancies in Hertfordshire has gone up by a whopping 109% compared to this time a year ago. That's 1,032 schemes compared to 493 last year. There's also been a 13% increase in bucks. Monarch Airlines, based in Luton, runs a successful apprenticeship scheme that takes on 12 new workers each year from the age of 16. Well, we can speak now to Wahid Akbar, who's from Luton Borough Council. Good morning, Wahid. Good morning. You must feel pretty lucky to have industries such as Vauxhall and Monarch here. Yes, very fortunate. We have, um, yes, Luton Airport. Um, We have uh, Monarch Airlines and EasyJet and... uh, we also have um, university and, uh, you know, in that sense, we are very fortunate. Have you noticed a significant change in the attitudes of firms towards apprenticeships? Yes, um, we have um, the learning and uh, development um, scheme in Luton Bar Council. They are working with local businesses or the employers and uh, also the teaching um, with, with the, you know, the learners, the young people. Is there not a chance, though, Wahid, that these people that take on apprentices, they're exploiting them and it's a way of getting cheap labour? Um, I, I don't know about that, but I think there are positive things like, uh, you know, they, they have opportunity to learn and also earn at the same time. And they can develop their experiences and skills and knowledge and information and the business uh, you know, uh, oh, defi- uh, listen, there are definitely positives, of course there are, for, for people who may not the, be suited. Uh, exploitation, you can, you know, this is a negative impact, but we haven't seen in Luton, you know, our learning, um, adult learning program, which is uh, we offer apprenticeships, and there are many successes, um, which we, we think, um, as you said, in Hertfordshire and the other areas, the apprenticeships increased. And we have two, and we uh, we had actually, actually uh, fifty external with you know the employers um, um, this um, schemes, and uh, we have apprenticeships for fifty within the Luton Bar Council. Ah, even in the council uh, itself, it's taking on apprentices. Yes, that's um, right. What yes. kind we of have jobs? A very good program, actually, and very successful. What kind of jobs would uh, would uh, apprentices be doing in the council? Um, Teaching assistants, um, uh, administrative work, and um, social health and social care workers, and uh, you know that that kind of things. But there are others, uh, you know, with the external as well. We have um, um, IT technicians, customer services assistants, um, uh, accountants, gardeners, motor vehicle technicians, carpenters, electricians, painters decorators, plumbers, layer assistants, teaching and, you know, the, the, the childcare assistants and health and social care workers. And well, Wahid, listen, we have to end it there. Thank you very much uh, for coming on. That's Wahid Akbar from Luton Borough Council. Well, there's a long list of um, things that they were doing there. If you've been an apprentice, do give us a call. It's, it does sound like a lot of fun. 08459 455 555.
on FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. So, uh, years ago, I impressed a young lady by becoming a vegetarian. Yeah, I know, and it worked! It worked! What have you done to impress uh, a, a partner? Member of the opposite sex? Hey, whoa, all the same sex? I don't mind. I don't mind. Seriously. I lived in London for a long time. I've seen it all. Oh, wait, 459 455 555 is the uh, telephone number if you want to give us a call. Uh, uh, Stephen has uh, emailed in. This is what I did for love. It's a picture of him in, on his wedding day wearing uh, a, a waistcoat covered in blue penguins. Oh, no, that pic- Stephen, that picture's going to last forever. Did you have your, your Homer Simpson socks on as well? That picture's going to last forever. You can't mess a- You cannot mess around with the wedding photos. That's something that you've got to get spot on. It's got to be timeless classic. So you don't want to date. Uh, you can have a look at Stephen uh, in uh, his uh, West Coat uh, by following us at BBC3CR on the Twitter. If you go to the Facebook page, you'll see a picture of me doing my best to impress a cold-hearted Justin Dealey, who seems very unimpressed by, uh, by what I'm doing there. Uh, Sue says, I give up now, Ian. Justin is obviously more interested in the camera. He is! And then Richard says, nice shirt. Why does everyone, whenever I post a picture of me in one of my shirts uh, on the Facebook, why does everyone start having a, a dig at my shirts? This is, this is actually, this is my lucky shirt, fact, and it's my favourite shirt of all time. I've had this for years. It is. It's my favourite shirt. I've had this for years. It's, be- it's got a little stain on it. It's beyond, you know, it, it, it perhaps should have gone a long time ago. This is my favourite shirt. How dare you? Quick look at the uh, last three front pages of the newspaper, shall we? The, the, the Daily Express, um, picture of Mark Bridger, uh, who was uh, sentenced to life yesterday for killing uh, April, uh, April Jones. And um, the, daily, uh, the house prices surge again. House prices are going up at their fastest in 18 months. And also police close in on Bob- Bomber Command Memorial Vandal, the Daily Mail. There's a picture of Mark Bridger in makeup. And uh, Esther Ranson, I confess, I've worn wigs for 30 years. Literally couldn't care less. And the son. Uh, he won't ever say where our baby's body is again, Mark Bridger. Uh, and on the subject of, uh, of Mark Bridger, the, the connection between child pornography and his actions have, um, have been drawn quite categorically. What do you think? Should we just ban pornography on the internet? Stop it. If you want pornography, you can go... Let's, let's do it the old way. You've got to go and buy a copy of Razzle somewhere. You've got to get a copy of Club in the news that you have to face the the humiliation as i'll be honest i faced as a teenager a few times of walking into a news agent i know it's grotty and it's grim walking into a news agent waiting till the news agent is empty picking up a copy of escort buying it as quickly as you can then shoving it in your bag if you want pornography you have to face a little bit of indignation indignity oh wait four five nine four double five five double five should we ban pornography on the internet. Simple question. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Should we ban pornography on the internet? The, the link has been drawn. Quite an obvious link between child pornography and the behaviour of paedophiles. There's a link, really. I would never. Of course, there's a link between that. But just just to make things easier, let's just ban all pornography on the internet. Peter and Walmer Green, do you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. And not only that, but I would make them legally liable 
just as if you or I published anything that was pornographic. I would make the directors of the internet companies legally liable too, and that would stop it in an instant. Which, uh, which internet companies? Google? Any, 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 any company that publishes internet images. Uh, sorry, pornographic images, sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be, because uh, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And in fact, we're sounding like a, a total news of the world in, this, in, the, in the world. Just a news of the world, really. Some of the sites I go to, Peter, to download music and uh, um, legitimate things, quite often, at the side, there'll be an advert of a girl in her pants saying, meet sexy milfs in your area, sexy Russian... You know, I, I don't, wanna, I don't well, necessarily want pole, to... It's appalling, really. It's just, like, it's just like telephone box, the old telephone boxes, wasn't it? Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's... I mean, that is for children to be able to view images like that. Yes. Now, even that is mild compared to some things that they, they do well, show on the internet. I, I, I have heard legend of some of the things they do on the... But the argument could go the other way, Peter. Supposing um, I'm a single bloke, I'm not, but if I was a single bloke in my 30s, at home, and I like looking at um, videos of people, you know, doing rude things... Well, should, should I be stopped I, from I doing that? Army for, I was in the Army National Service for a couple of years, and I can assure you that there's only about 1% or 2% of men, 1% or 2% of men, yes. are that way inclined. 1% you of... you can see it by, by their actions uh, when you're in service with them. What, 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 what way inclined? Well, they would go out and find... Uh, um, Ladies, if you like, yes. where there was in, whether it was in Germany or anywhere else, where yes. else. and uh, that, about one percent of the men were like that. Hang there wasn't a, a huge number. Hang on a minute, Peter. Are you saying that only one percent of men like pornography? Uh, are interested in pornography, yes. One percent? About one percent. Oh, I bet it's a lot now, more than now, that. Now, if you take a simple little th- thing, yeah, a simple little thing, yeah. For many, many years during the Second World War, yeah. we had Jane, who, who was down to skimpies, but she was down to skimpies. She was never, ever naked. Jane? Never, ever naked. Jane who was down to her skimpies? Your next-door neighbour? There was a cartoon series that all the troops used to read, bef- yeah. look at before they read the newspapers. Yeah. Oh. And, and it helped morale, but... It All wasn't. Right. It wasn't pornography. So, final question: Should we allow? Uh, should we allow g- girls in their skimpies on the internet or not? Providing it's not pornography, sure. Peter, I think you make a very good point. Thank you very much indeed, Peter and Wilma Green. What do you think? Should we ban pornography on the internet? Should we, do we set a limit? Go- women in their skimpies, like Jane, should be allowed on, but nothing else. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is Ian Lee. On BBC Three Counties Radio. The funeral of Paul Foster, who was shot dead in Luton, is due to take place at the Vale Cemetery today, followed by a wake on Lucy Farm. We can talk now to our reporter, Justin Dealey. Justin, remind us what happened to Paul Foster. Well, 46-year-old Paul Foster of Hebden Close was shot and killed in Luton shortly before midnight on Tuesday, the 9th of April. He was married with children. Mr Foster died at the Luton and Dunstable Hospital after being shot outside a house in Brunel Road. Now, he was thought to be leaving a friend's house, and it might have been a case of mistaken identity. 
What did police say at the time, Justin? Well, the incident happened during uh, a spate of gun-related crime in Luton, and the police were, were very quick to come out and reassure local residents. Detective Superintendent Jeff Hill, he's from the head of the major crime unit, he said because the shooting happened in a residential street, it left the community feeling very run- vulnerable. Um, he also said that Mr Foster's loved ones deserve to see those responsible brought to justice and has appealed to members of the community to come forward. This contributed to the armed police being deployed in Marsh Farm and Lucy Farm. We saw that, of course, in the national press. And this is Superintendent Dave Boyle from Beds Police, and he promised they would take firm action. I'm confident, given the number of resources, not just in terms of the overt policing resources, but the investigators, those that are out um, developing intelligence, that uh, we will uh, identify those individuals that are responsible for this type of armed criminality, and we will bring them to justice. I was going to ask, do you feel you're making good progress so far? I believe that we are. This is the number one priority for Bedfordshire Police at this time uh, and we are making sure that there are the right number of resources and right number of staff with the right skills to be able to uh, to be able to address this issue and there was a link wasn't there between paul foster and another shooting victim in the town yep that's right paul foster was the uncle of teenager delaney brown who was murdered in Luton. at 19 year old delaney was deliberately knocked off his bike by 22 year old carl beckford driving a stolen bmw in september last year uh, Beckford was found guilty of murder early this month and told he'll serve a minimum of 24 years for the crime. Delaney's grandfather, Delaney Brown Sr., explained that this kind of behaviour wasn't typical, though, amongst young people in the area. We're working with these young men, particularly my son is working with these young men in the recording studio, and generally they're normal, loving young men. When they're with, together as a group, they have a lot, a lot of banter, have a lot of laughs, If there is situations that they feel that they have to defend or lack of respect by others, then they will then defend that. And if they're being attacked, they will attack back. And so, you know, it's it's normal kids. We're talking about between the ages of 15 and and 21 in terms of what my grandson hanged them out with. And so it's Paul Foster's funeral later today. Yeah, Paul Foster's funeral will be followed by a wake on Lucy Farm and it's thought between 500 and 1,000 people will be attending this event today. Bedfordshire Police, they're advising motorists of traffic delays in the centre of Lucy and that's from around 9.30 when the funeral cortege and a a horse-drawn hearse were making its way along Dunstable Road to the Calvary Church of God in Christ and then onto the Vale Cemetery. Uh, Police are asking for patients at what they describe as this sad time and they say they'll do all they can to minimise any disruption. You've been speaking uh, to people in Luton about gun crime, Justin. What have they been saying? Yeah, absolutely, Ian. Um, We've spoken to to many people about this now in the last few weeks. People are very, very concerned. They want this problem to go away. This is what people have told me. Needless to say, it's a tragedy and it would be lovely if, you know, peace could be restored. Marsh Farm's got a bad name and a bad reputation, particularly because of recent events and we're just hoping that things can calm down and that people who live within the community and the surrounding area don't feel threatened by, you know, recent events and what's been happening. Madam, you went to school with a person who was stabbed over the weekend. What was he like when he was at school? He was a nice guy. Didn't really know him that well, but knew of him. It's more worrying because obviously the kid's growing up in Marsh Farm and stuff. You don't want him seeing that kind of thing. The police have to get back into contact with the communities and the people that live in those communities and start being on like working together to get it sorted because otherwise they're not going to get anything done at all i think this and i think the violence will carry on as well at this point in time until until they get it i mean having the armed like northern ireland in, in luton 
It's crazy. I mean, the, the amount of weapons and heavy machine guns that the police have got walking around, that's like, it's like Belfast. It shouldn't be like that in Luton. Uh, and what, what progress has there been, Justin, over the shooting of uh, Paul Foster? Well, following the spate of uh, gun-related incidents, we'll mention one conviction already in the Delaney Brown case. Um, yesterday, police revealed they'd arrested a man in connection with a shooting in Fountains Road. That was on uh, May the 5th, but... As regards to the death of Paul Foster, there's been no breakthrough yet. The police, they continue to appeal. They've done so on your programme, and they're appealing to the local community to come forward with any help which may bring the killers to justice. Justin Dealey, thank you very much. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. So, what have you done? By the way, still, um, the page three is still covering up the nipples uh, as respect to uh, to Lee Rigby. I do find it incredible. They, they are. They're wearing Help for Heroes t-shirts. You can just see the under uh, side. Um, but it, it does seem an odd thing. Um, oh, for goodness sake. Why do we still have page three? It's the one thing that I, I, it just, I keep scratching my head. I'm looking through the sun. Apart from uh, the, the, you know, the horrific uh, events... Um, uh, around uh, that young girl that was murdered, April Jones. It, there's very little going on in the world. Britain's Got Talent seems to be taking up most of the papers. I've not even watched that. There's a young lad who apparently is a very funny comedian. I, no, I bet he's not. I bet he's not. I bet he's not. I bet he's all right. I bet he's a bit stroppy. Is he stroppy? He's, he's Kelly Betts. Put your headphones on. Is he funny, this this 14-year-old boy? Is he, is he, is he proper funny? He's proper funny. Why? He just is. It's just funny, like, you know. He's a lad, he's in a wheelchair, isn't he? He is. He's got, uh, what's his name, Jack Carroll, age 14. Yeah. He's kind of, he's friends with, um, uh, who's the, um, Ma- uh, Manford, Manford, Jason Manford. Oh, yeah. He's kind of under Jason Manford's wing. Is I don't he? know if that's necessarily the best direction. He is funny, you should watch him. He's funnier than you. Sorry? Uh, nothing. Oh, dear, we seem to have lost the connection there with Kelly Betts. How rude. How rude is that? There really is. I'm, I'm flicking through the papers to try and find anything of interest. Save your money today. If you normally buy a newspaper, don't. There's, um... No, there's that. Um... It's just, there's nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. What a, what a waste of space they are today. Do you know, papers should be honest. Years and years ago, about 70 years ago, there was a news report on Radio 4, or the, the home service, like, uh, whatever it was called then. And it says, right, it's time for the news. And the, the broadcaster went, well, there is no news today, so here's some music. Fantastic. We should do that. They should, newspapers should do it. There is no news today, so we're not going to print anything. Should we be banning pornography on the internet? Complete ban. You can't get it. You, nothing. It doesn't do us any good, does it, really? It doesn't help anything. 08459 555. Call 08459 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, coming up. <coughs> Excusez-moi. Excusez-moi. There is a little frogette in my throat. Uh, every time I say that to my boy, I say there's a frog in my throat, he wants to look in my mouth. <laughs> what an idiot. No, he's only three. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, uh, what have you done to impress the opposite sex? Should we ban pornography on, on the internet? But before that, uh, let's talk about forced marriage. Two women are due back in court today in Luton after it was alleged they breached a court order banning any arranged wedding. Both women deny breaching the Luton County Court order. The actual act of forced marriage isn't illegal in the UK, but it's enough being done to stop it. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been out in Luton. Justin, who have you been speaking to? Well, Ian, we've got this um, incredible piece of audio coming up here. This lady doesn't wish to be named, and I need to make this clear right now. This is not a case study that an organisation have set up for us to talk to 
this morning. This was somebody who I spoke to earlier on the streets of Luton. Now, this lady was forced to marry a man who she didn't love, and she's been telling me her story. You had to do it. You had to go through it. Otherwise, you were the uh, the ostracised person, the person who would be um, not accepted in the family, the community, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel as a person? I was so young at the time that, uh, obviously, looking back now, it was it wasn't very nice. I wouldn't do it to my children. Um, it shouldn't happen. And you know, but I think at the time, a lot of people like myself were young, mm. don't really know much different. Yeah. It's what the parents say that goes, and that's it. And I take it you're not with that person now? No. no. How did that end? Because if you're saying that you'd be stereotyped for, for, for not having that marriage, how did that marriage end for you? Because, again, you must have been stereotyped there. It, it ended very badly, actually, um, and um, I don't have much to do with my community because of it. Um, and you, you just you just don't feel like you've ever been... You'll never be accepted again because... You've, you've gone against the culture, you've gone against your country, you've gone against your people. I find it fascinating what you're saying. Just lastly, do you still know people, this year even, that are trying to be put into marriages that, that they clearly don't want to, to be involved in? Yes. Yeah, I do. And we're talking about one or two, or are we talking more than that? Probably one or two that I know of. And I actually try to advise them, but uh, they, they say to me that, you know... It's something they have to do and, and they can't go against family. So they're going to have a life full of unhappiness just because it's what their yeah, family wants? Yeah, probably, want. yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them do stick with it and just stay unhappy. A lot of them don't. A lot of them have girlfriends on the side, boyfriends on the side. Um, you know, violence goes on and stuff like that. It's, it's a horrible re- thing, really. So it's never going to go away? I don't think so. Well, we can talk to Dr Nazia Khanum, who wrote a report into the issue of forced marriage. Uh, uh, oh, is, 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 doc, is the doctor there? Where, whereabouts are we going? Good doc- morning, oh, you're there. You? Sorry, I do apologise. You weren't on my screen, and I can't function unless I have a screen in front of me because I'm an idiot. How bad is the problem of forced marriage? It is quite prevalent, actually, um, nationally and locally as well. If you look at the latest research report, which came out in 2009 in July... Uh, It was done by the National Centre for Social Research in the United Kingdom. And they looked at 10 local authority areas, and they estimated that per year in England alone, the reported cases across agencies and voluntary sector support services were between 5,000 and 8,000. And they also mentioned that this was the tip of the iceberg because most of the cases are never reported. So I should say that it is quite prevalent because we don't know most of the cases which happen in the shadows. You wrote a, a report a few years ago that focused on Luton. Is the situation particularly bad in Luton? I think Luton is a, uh, a significant area in terms of forced marriage because of families which actually have a patriarchal family system where the honour and shame, these kinds of concepts are very important for them. And traditionally, uh, arranged marriages happened for a long time. But when arranged marriages go wrong and people don't consent, they're forced into marriage. So it it happens in Luton, obviously. And uh, there is a special court in Luton to to look at the forced marriage uh, protection orders. So without uh, uh, being a significant area, a special court wouldn't exist. How do these banning orders work? 
It does work if people actually report the non-molestation order because every protection order will have conditions attached to them. And one of them would be probably that children can still live with the families, but they should not be molested or pressurized or their passport shouldn't be stolen or physical violence shouldn't happen. Then who, who would report that, 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 that they had been molested? Yes, this is the problem because the children themselves, I, I call them children because most of them are minors actually. They're called children uh, if they're under 18. And they are the ones who should actually report, but many of them won't report. Of course they won't. So it, it's, a, it's an incredibly flawed system it then, is, isn't it? It is, I know it is. What can we do to improve it to protect these kids? Well, it is being tightened up now because, um, you know, people are being encouraged through schools and colleges to report these kinds of things because most of these young people who are uh, of a marriageable age are probably in high schools and, pri- uh, and uh, colleges. So they are be- their awareness is being raised through continual sort of, you know, information giving their rights and responsibilities and so on. So they... Hopefully, I say hopefully, in increasing numbers, we'll report if there is any uh, breach of non-molestation or something like that. Dr Nazia Khanum, thank you very much indeed. We can speak now to Jasvinder Sanghera, who founded the charity Karma Nirvana, which helps men and women dealing with forced marriage. Jasvinder, you were also forced into marriage yourself, weren't you? What was your story? Good morning. Yes, I was. Um, This was 33 years ago. I'm one of seven sisters, and I watched the majority of my sisters being taken out of British schools when they were 15 years old, to marry men they'd only ever met in photographs. I was 14 years old when my mother presented me with the photograph of the man I was to learn. I was promised to from the age of eight. Wow. And um, I said no, I protested. And in the end, my family took me out of education because they could see I became a threat to them in terms of running away from home. I was held a prisoner for a, a while in my bedroom upstairs. And when I say prisoner, the lock was on the outside of the room. This was your parents doing this to you? Yeah, not just parents, other people involved, you know, your sisters, your brother, other members of the family. And what would would your sisters say to you? Well, my sisters saw me as being no different to them. They went through with it, so why was I any different? They didn't protest. I did. So, you know, they were wrapped up in the, if you don't go through with this, it's going to be a cause of shame for our family. The shame, that would have been the big thing, would it? Yeah, and I ran away from home in the end um, when I was 16 years old and subsequently I've been disowned for the past 33 years. Sadly, one of my sisters took her own life when she was 24 years old. Because of the, the forced marriage? She was in a very abusive marriage. She turned to my family for help, and none of them would support her because it's better to stay with an abusive partner in a family dynamic that operates on the system than to leave your husband. It's a cause of dishonour. And I have to say, I'm, I'm not reassured that schools are engaging at Carmel Nirvana. We dealt with 7,000 people on our helpline last year. One of the key issues is that school engagement is very poor. Schools are still reluctant to engage. Schools are still not are not are refusing to put up posters because of the fear of offending and cultural sensitivities, and that is a real issue in the UK. This time of the year is very important because the summer holidays are around the corner. There will be many young people right now, as I'm talking to you, being prepared by their families to be taken abroad and forced into marriages come come July and September. These banning orders, I was just speaking to the doctor about, they can't work. If it's dependent on, on the young boy or young girl, I mean, it's a young boy, 15, 16, mm. 17, to, to report it, it's unlikely they're going to, isn't it? What we have to be mindful of is that 
forced marriage protection orders are civil orders designed to change behavior. Mm. So you're trying to get perpetrators to stop abusing the person, prevent them from years of their psyche. And my parents would never change, I can tell you that. There's no other um, order in this country whereby we return a victim back to the perpetrators. That's what we're doing. A forced marriage protection order is put in place. That person is returned back to all the perpetrators again. There may be perpetrators not named in an order that just give them one look, which is why we see victims' reluctance with respect to wanting the order there. Very often they ask for the order to be removed because everything is fine now, which is why this year I'm pleased to say we're going to see a standalone criminal offence of forced marriage, which was announced in the Queen's speech. The Prime Minister has given his commitment to that. For me, that is going to be extremely symbolic in a victim owning this as a crime. Your charity, Karma Nirvana, how do you help people? Well, we, ha- we operate the only national helpline that supports men and women. Currently, that helpline is receiving around 600 calls a month. If a victim calls the helpline, our call handlers are trained in risk assessment in the issues. We can do a number of things. The important thing is that victims understand they don't have to go through with this. I'm, I'm a survivor myself. If they call the helpline, we never engage with family members. That's really important to understand so that we don't mediate with perpetrators. We are their listening ear. We can organize um, accommodation for them, be it refuge provision or be their advocate with social services to, re- to put them into foster placement. We work with professionals who call the helpline. 42% of our callers are police officers, social workers, other people calling. Because this to them is extremely complex. It's really important professionals pick up a helpline number and they call and they seek advice because if you get it wrong and start to engage with perpetrators, you can increase the risk. And we saw that. And sadly, we've seen murders such as Shafilia Ahmed, who was murdered by her mother and father. A young girl with the same profile of victims, like, like me 33 years ago, who went to over five organizations and was never believed, was always returned back to her family. And sadly, in the end, her life was taken. Jasmine, the final question. Do you, do you miss your family, your mum and dad and your sisters? Well... I have reconciled the disownment. You know, I have three children of my own. Um, You have to live with that and start rebuilding your life. I have to say, if I was 16 today, I would make the same decision because one thing I didn't know at 16 that I fundamentally know today is that you make that decision for your children in the future. My children will never inherit that legacy of abuse. I've broken that cycle. Today they're independent, free thinkers, they're empowered. And as a parent, that's what you want for your children. So for me, there's no regrets. Yes, I've missed my family, but if I was 16 today, I would do the same thing. And victims need to understand that when you make that decision to go through with it for the sake of your family, it is a decision to li- for life that will impact not just on you, on your children too. Thanks very much for joining us this morning, uh, Jasvinda Sangara from uh, the charity Karma Nirvana who help uh, men and women dealing with forced marriage. Oh, what incredible stories. <clears throat> Doesn't it make you think uh, how lucky we are? Apprenticeships. More and more uh, apprenticeships being offered. Have you done one? Is it something you, you did? Or have you taken on an apprentice? Were they any good? Were they a bit slack-jawed and a bit, uh, bit, bit rubbish? 08459 Some texts here. Uh, Gary and Luton says, Modern apprenticeships are not worth the paper they're written on and have been dumbed down so much it's frightening. The vast majority of these new tradesmen are in fact incompetent and when left alone couldn't carry out the most basic of tasks. 
Colleges are only interested in bums on seats for which they get government funding and aim to get maximum number of students in classes, whether they're disruptive or not. I've even seen violent ones allowed to return to class rather than be thrown out. Even Luton Borough Council apprenticeships, I wish you'd called him when we had Wahid on, uh, even Luton Borough Council... Sorry, I'm a bit clarty. I've just had a Mars bar. Sorry. Even Luton Borough Council apprenticeships are a waste of time and no more than a PR exercise. Bring back the days when an apprentice had to work with a tradesman for several years, one-on-one, and actually learn the job they've been chosen to do. Hang on a minute. Does that mean they're not, then? So the apprenticeship, you sit in college. That's what Gary seems to be saying. Is that right? I thought you did. I thought you'd go out with, with Steve the plumber. And you, you'd follow Steve around and you'd start by get, get collecting his toolbox and then picking out the right spanner and then eventually he'd say, right, go on, you, you fix this, I'll watch, and then he'd be off. Is that not now how it works anymore? Am I being incredibly naive about all of this? Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. What have you done to impress someone? We all like to do it, whether it's, it's doing our hair differently or changing the way we dress... I became a vegetarian to impress a girl. Well, our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been out to find out what you've done to impress the opposite sex or the same sex. A couple of months ago, there was, uh, we were, I was out with my girlfriend shopping and uh, she wanted some earphones and they were about 120 quid and I thought it was the most ridiculous price in the world for a pair of earphones. But she suddenly got the ump and she got upset and so she went to the, she went to the bathroom and the time she got back, I went and bought them and uh, it made her day. It just hit my pocket a bit too hard. But... I would cook for a woman, best way in my mind, works most of the time. A typical dish for me would be like roast chicken, boiled veg, because you've got to get their health and all that lot in mind as well. You can't cook them chips. We would just try and help out with his two children because his wife abandoned them. But, you know, we, I don't need to impress him because he likes me the way I am. And I like him the way he is. It's just sometimes the two children bring me to a point where I could scream. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cook him a nice meal, go with him when he wants to go to cricket, watch cricket on the television. <laughs> he's uh, got his dream woman here, isn't he? Goes to New Zealand and watches cricket with him. <laughs> I mean, he's a lucky guy, isn't he? <laughs> I should hope so. Yeah. So tell us about what you cook him. If you are going to really impress him, he comes back from work, what would you cook pie. him? He loves his meat pie anything but that's his favourite. So he comes home from work and you don't tell him, you go, there you go, big boy, there's your pie. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. You can cook someone chips if you cook good chips. That's that's the trick. Well, Jackie High is a journalist and author. She lives in Buckinghamshire and might be able to help us on this morning, Jackie. Good morning. But, but uh, listen, I became vegetarian to impress a girl. It worked. Uh, so I gather. So I'm just... <laughs> I know. And you've stayed vegetarian, so there must have been, it must have been, you must have really meant it. I d- oh, I did. I'm, I'm hoping she comes back one day. I'm I not. I wonder if the girl is still vegetarian, though. Oh, that, do you know, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah, she might not be. People do put a lot of effort in, don't they, into, into impressing the opposite sex. Yes, and, and I've been thinking about my, because I've been married for 45 years, right? And I met my husband when I was 15. Wow. <laughs> Oh dear, what a mucky giggle you've got. It's a a long time ago, isn't it? I've I've known him for 50 years. I'm only 65, so... And and I was trying to think back to those heady days when we started first going out. Yes. And 
I was singing, in, I, I still sing, and I was singing in a little skiffle group thing that his cousin, that his cousin ran. His cousin played the guitar, and yeah. um, and and there was a, you know, and he and there was a, the guitar and drums and, and and a couple of other people, and I was the singer in it. And and he, my husband, who's who's tone deaf, he used to he used to do the sound effects, you know, the the the, the amps and the, okay, the, yeah. the, the microphones and things like that. He was like the roadie for it, if you like. Yes. And, and that's how. I, and so I, I sort of met him at church youth club. <laughs> which is very unexcited and he used to come and do do the do the um the, the sound on the on the band if if we ever played at school band school dances and things like that and um so I got to know him that way, and I think that I think it was singing the songs that he liked oh. and looking at him while I was you were showboating <laughs> for him. I probably was. Yeah. That's but, it, but that's what we—it's what we do, isn't it? It's kind of the peacock effect. We 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 see someone we like, we try and do little jumps and tricks and things that's to make it. them like us. That's it. And I was thinking as well that these days it's it's even easier to pull the wool over. You you fibbed about being a vegetarian at the time and then became one. Yep. Yeah, you did it. At least you. But but when people do it on Facebook now. Oh. And online dating, you can say almost anything, can't yeah. you? You can, you can. I mean, if you're putting your details on, 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 because you want to attract a few people, you, you will sort of think, well, shall I just drop a dress size, or shall I just, um, you know, t- take a few years, just five or six years off my age won't won't matter much, you know, and this kind of thing. And people, and Photoshop yourself a bit, and and I have this vision of two people. Arranging to meet up in a pub and both looking so unlike what they've projected that they walk past each other and never get together at all. It does. It, it, is the art <laughs> of flirting dead? Because it is all yeah. online now. It's all text. It's all emails. Yeah. It's all Facebook. No one. No one knows how to flirt anymore. Well, they do it on. They do it by by little codes on there with with their thumbs, don't they? Texting. Yeah. Uh, um, but you, and you can do that. You can. All, the human race always finds a way to flirt, even if it's down a telephone line. But, well, you're doing it with me now. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I mean, yes, we are. There's a little sort of eyebrow, uh, eyebrow fluttering There's going something on. Fluttering, yes. There's something fluttering, yes. Something. But actually, um, I don't think the art is dead, and I think it's a lovely art. I think that gentle mouth flirtation is rather fun. I mean, you can, it's just the way you look at somebody and the way you pick up on what they say and take a slightly different meaning out of it and things. It, it's an art. It is an art. And it's fun. It is fun. I c- I'm so glad I'm married, and I don't have to go o- on the prowl oh, well. anymore, because I couldn't do it in the modern world. I couldn't yeah. do it now with, with, on computers yeah. and things. It must be, no, I don't think I, well, I'm sure I couldn't either. And these days, with so many marriages breaking up, even in, in people's 60s, and, and, with, with, and when people die as well, there, there's a lot of people go back into the dating game when they're way over the age that they would have ever expected to. And it must be very frightening, actually. Yeah, don't it must be awful. Yeah, yeah but, but, but they have to learn new techniques of, of how to, but the universal art of flirting, it used to be once practiced at court, you know, in the King's Court and the Queen's Court. You, you would have your fan and you would flutter behind it. And, and it's all about what you don't say rather than what you do say and i think the art should should continue and i think it's it's more fun than it's more fun than sort of just being straightforward you can be a little bit flirty i think (laughs) jackie it's love you've got a very flirty giggle i'm enjoying that jackie lovely to talk to you jackie hi journalist and author what have you done to impress a member of the opposite sex oh eight four five nine four double five five double five we're also talking about apprentices uh have you been one was it any good david's in buckingham you were an apprentice weren't you I was indeed. Morning. Morning. Um, what, I, were you, what were you doing? Um, I'm, I'm now a qualified overhead linesman. I work on overhead power lines. Oh, what, what on trains? No, no, uh, on the network that feeds houses. Oh. I work on up to 11,000 volts I work up to. Wow, then you do need to be properly trained. You're literally yeah. life and death you're toying with. 
Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I started when I was 16. I finished my GCSEs, and two weeks after my GCSEs, I was signed a contract with the company I'm with now. And I've been here 10 years this year. Oh, fantastic. So it worked for you. How, uh, how did your apprentice work? W- were you following a bloke called Steve round every day and, and just watching him to start with? Or, or, or did you go to college? How did it work? Well, for the first six months, we were sent away to a, like a training development school where they basically laid out what you'd be doing. And then I went out on site with a team of six gentlemen and I sort of followed them for the first few months watching what they did, then got put onto the tools and started working and doing what they did. Uh, and and it, it worked for you, it paid off for you. You, you. you didn't feel you were being exploited or anything? No, not at all. I mean, we've got now more apprentices coming through and I'm at the stage now where I actually train new apprentices who come through. Oh, so you're continuing the cycle? Yeah. I mean, when I first started, all my friends laughed at me, if I'm honest with you, because they all at college having fun and playing, and I was only on £5,000 a year when I first started. Yeah. So everyone sort of laughed about it, but now it sort of comes to fruition when you finish, and you're sort of earning more money. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, say, I, I bet you're probably doing better than a lot of the people who went to college, aren't you? Yeah, more than likely, yeah. <laughs> and, and the people that are coming through as apprentices, are they any good, or are, are some of them a little bit thick? If I'm completely honest, we've had one lad who's come through who we've actually got rid of because he is—he was useless. What, what, how, why was he so bad? It was just—it was almost as if he had no will to be here. Right. There was no, there was no oomph to get him going. He didn't care. He was happy to sit around all day on his phone and do nothing. Whereas we've got another lad who's literally just about to finish his apprenticeship this week. And he'll, he'll do anything. If you tell him to do something, there's no arguing. He goes and does it, and does it with a smile on his face, even if he doesn't want to do it. But I think that's the attitude you need to well, get through work. Of course it is, particularly in this day and age when there's not that much around. David, I appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash counties. Now, you've not got a lot going for you. That was a really bad opening sentence. You start from quite a kind of base level. Still not good. Um, I'll carry on. Uh, so I'm guessing you probably really have to pull out all the stops. This is—it sounded fine in my head. It's just coming. Is out this your usual line? Wrong. That you use it with women. No, you have to work quite hard to attract the opposite. Um, am still I? not winning. No. Okay. What have you done to impress the opposite sex? I had a complete image change at the age of twelve. At <laughs> twelve. It involved a very, very <laughs> radical haircut and a lot of Benetton. Uh, the the uh, tennis uh, clothes. Can, can, a, can a twelve-year-old have an image? Well, they did where I yeah they did where I grew up. And and um, uh, <laughs> no no it wasn't. It was when I moved here. Oh, when I first moved here, um, I, I found myself in the midst of something of a fashion parade at school. Uh, yeah, yeah, whereas yeah. before I'd never bothered about it. Turned out I was wearing the wrong trainers. Yep, yep. Uh, I was um, a year more advanced educationally. So you know, being a geek and dressing smartly didn't really help. So I played dumb and cut my hair off. Got the boy. You should do the same thing here. (laughs) Oh. That didn't go as well as I meant it to. In my head, it all sounded so polite, and uh, the words came out. Really didn't, uh, yeah. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. The number of apprenticeships on offer in Hertfordshire has more than doubled compared to this time last year. Have you been an apprentice or taken one on? I'd imagine that a lot of these apprentices are rather slack-jawed idiots. We heard from uh, the gentleman there who had an apprentice who was on his phone all the time. There are certain people here at BBC Three, Three Counties who do a similar thing. 
08459 455 555. Is enough being done to tackle forced marriage in the three counties? And as you heard me say, I've become a vegetarian to impress a girl 25 years ago. What have you done to impress somebody? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR or 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Someone's just said on Facebook, you can't be a vegetarian and you eat eggs. Go and look up what vegetarian means and come back and apologise, you idiot. Now, the number of apprenticeships... Uh, oh, no, we're going to do... We'll do that in a second. Uh, I do apologise. I'm completely on the wrong place on my computer, and it's my fault because I'm an idiot. There we go. This is it. The Queen today will visit the ceremonial military unit responsible for firing gun salutes in her honour. She'll tour the base of the King's Troop Royal Horse Artillery in Woolwich. Well, the unit, of course, is close to where drummer Lee Rigby was killed last Wednesday. He was based at the Royal Artil- Artillery Barracks. Our reporter, Jane Prendergast, has more. Uh, morning, Jane. What can we expect from the Queen today? Well, when the uh, Queen arrives at the King's Troop Royal Horse Artillery here in Woolwich, uh, she's going to be, we expect, greeted by the commanding officer of the King's Troop, that's Major Mark Edwards. She will be treated, apparently, to a rare sight, a mounted guard of honour. Now, of course, the the soldiers from the King's Troop are fighting servicemen. It's expected she will present uh, two Afghanistan medals, that she'll meet uh, families of the unit service personnel, and that she's also expected to view some of the horses. We believe that there will be some drills going on. Um, She'll also get the chance to see horses being trained and even maybe treated in the veterinary clinic that they have on site here and maybe some shoeing in the forge as well. So uh, a busy day ahead for those um, at at the Troop Royal Horse Artillery. What's the latest on on the murder of Lee Rigby? Well, of course, there are hundreds of uh, tributes here in Woolwich. I'm just uh, walking past them. Um, Hundreds of messages, uh, including those from his family, his grandparents. There's a big blue floral tribute up here. But they're really, uh, you know, lining the street still here. Um, People still in Woolwich... um, you know, it's still quite unbelieving that this has happened. There are lots of people viewing the tributes um, as I'm standing here uh, this morning. But, of course, uh, yesterday um, we do know that uh, there, there was a... Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, so, so the, you know, the, the investigations into the killing of uh, Lee Rigby are continuing. And uh, we do know today that, um, you know, work is still going on in the investigations. The police have still appealed for witnesses. They're still trying to find out more about... Um, what happened. Uh, but of course, a lot of focus today will be on uh, the royal arrival here at the artillery. Jane, thank you very much indeed. Jane Prendergast uh, there. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. There's been a huge increase in the number of apprenticeships available in parts of the three counties compared to this time a year ago. The number of schemes available has more than doubled in Hertfordshire, while they've increased by 13% uh, in Buckinghamshire too. Uh, well, Heather Dean, uh, Buckinghamshire Business First offers advice and support to help with new businesses looking to take on apprentices. And Heather Dean is its head of skills and business support. Morning, Heather. Good morning, Ian. Why are uh, apprenticeships beneficial? Well, it's a good question, and there's been quite a lot of research into all of this. Um, And rather than bore you with too many stats, but I think three are really important. Um, 92% of employers have found that um, they lead to, by taking on an apprentice, 
they lead to a more motivated and satisfied workforce. Um, another stat- statistic says that 81% who employ apprentices say they generate higher overall productivity um, for their company. Um, so some really good stats. And another one says that apprentices tended to be much more loyal and remain at the company longer than the non-apprentices. Is it, we've had some criticism, that it, it could be a way of getting cheap labour? Um, well, it absolutely shouldn't be, should it? Um, however, sadly, we have found that the occasional employer pays someone a very low salary. The minimum wage for an apprentice who's under 19 and in their first year is £2.65, which is actually very low. Yes. Um, but the average wage um, we found that's given to an apprentice is 9500 a year, which is much better. Anyone can take on an apprentice. How, how do they go about doing it? Well, um, there are several ways. An employer can go straight to the National Apprenticeship Service, um, or in Buckinghamshire, of course, they can come to us. It's Buckinghamshire Business First, where we can um, identify the type of an apprentice that's required um, and put them in touch with a suitable training provider. Um, we, the good news is that we can let them know what grants are available and um, we can send them straight to the correct training provider rather than that employer having to do a massive phone around and get lost in the system. So th- th- there, are, uh, uh, um, there is help for businesses th- that might want to take on an apprentice? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one main grant which is available from the National Apprenticeship Service called the AGE grant, A-G-E, um, and that's £1,500, so it's, it's worth quite a bit. Um, that's available uh, for anybody who's not taken on an apprentice in the past, um, and they can apply for that through the apprenticeship service. If somebody is in Buckinghamshire, the council is actually offering an additional £1,500 um, for anybody wanting to take on an apprentice aged between 16 and 18. Uh, Heather, thank you very much indeed. Uh, it's Heather Dean from Buckinghamshire Business First. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. What have you done to impress someone? Paul, what did you do to impress somebody? Hi, good morning. Morning. Um, I once, well, in my teens, this, so I'm 38 now, so this was a long, long time ago. Uh, I'm from Manchester originally. Uh, once I would I never called... have guessed, Paul. <laughs> I would never have known. <laughs> um, well, I, I, obviously, I was late 80s, early 90s teenager, so it was all mental up there anyway. So I, I once told a girl that I was Robbie Williams' cousin. Um, we shared the same surname. Um, so I convinced her that I was Robbie Williams' cousin. All my friends covered for me. Even my mother sort of didn't cover for me, but sort of like, yeah, you know. Um, and then I dumbed it down a bit. I said, I don't see him that often, but maybe one day, you know, we'll be able to uh, hook up with him and that. So... Paul? Yeah. You yeah. naughty... I mean, do you look anything like Robbie Williams? I'm better looking than Robbie Williams. Of course you are. You're not a... No, I don't, but, um... Obviously, he's from Stoke-on-Trent, but when take that first onto the scene, it was all Manchester this, Manchester yeah. that, and I thought, well, that, that's quite ideal. I'll cash that. in on that. And so, yeah. th- th- this girl, let's call her Sharon... Okay. Uh, she fell for this completely, did she? Yeah. We, we weren't together that long. We would, I mean, it was only, it would have been a, a six-month relationship. Oh, I managed that's... to flag all the way through it. Yeah. That one day, um, I would hook oh. up with my cousin, and hopefully she'll be with me, and she loved it. And... <laughs> <laughs> You're so naughty! Hey, it gets worse. Uh, once when I was in Pembroke on uh, a jaunt with some ex-university mates, 
we convinced everyone we was in a band from Manchester and we were just taking a break from recording our album at um, Rockfield Studios in Monmouth. Yeah. Um, we told them that we'd supported Travis. Uh, and I, I was in this bar with, with everyone and we were chatting with some of the locals and we, you know, we've been there and so one of the women there, well, girl at the time, she asked me for my phone number and, uh, I actually wrote it on a ten pound note and handed it to her. Oh, so, uh, you dirty, dirty you know, boy. At the, time, it, at the time, I thought, I am so amazing, but I'm 38 now and probably for the last 15 years I thought, hmm, probably, yeah, that was probably not the right thing to I do. I could have spent that tenner. Think of all the things <laughs> I could have bought with that. Did well, I'll tell you what, if she's listening, I want it back. <laughs> did, did she not call you up? Yeah, yeah, she did. But we were only down there for a couple of weeks. Um, right. So that the whole thing about you know um, we were in a band, we were taking a, a break out and all of this. Yeah. yeah, we pulled it off as well. We pulled it off. You are a, um, Paul. You are a very naughty man. Are you married now? Have you got a partner now? Uh, no, I've been single for two years. I've been, I've, I've, I was with someone in Scotland, and we, we broke up two years ago. So I'm yeah, I'm single now. No wonder. Eh? Yeah, well, uh, exactly. <laughs> if, if you're listening, if you if you, this voice approaches you in a bar and writes down his, his phone number on a tenner, tell him to jog on. He's no good for you, Paul. <laughs> okay, I appreciate. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. He's, what a naughty gentleman! I like it though. I do like that. The Robbie Williams cousin. That's a great line, isn't it? Oh yeah, Robbie Williams' cousin, isn't it? He's mad for it. If you come out with me, we might get a meeting one day. You never know. It's not a bad voice, actually, is it? Oh eight four five nine <laughs> four double five five double five. What have you done? Ooh. Oh, sorry. You're, am I supposed to join in with this? I thought you, you. I thought you might have a little bit of beatboxing. I, I, I don't know how to do that. You can't do any beatboxing. No, I can. I can. Let me. Oh, that's Rolf Harris. I don't think you can do that anymore. No. <laughs> can't do that. No, 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 no. That's, no, that's out of fact. Is this? Oh, rewind. That's rubbish. That's that's really rubbish. What? You're not very good at it. You do it. You do it then. I can't. I know I can't do it. Humcha, humcha. That's all I can do. Okay. I'm, I'm genuinely. Why would you say that's rubbish? Are you joking? Do it again. <laughs> oh dear. Don't. Oh no. Listen. Don't. <laughs> you're rubbish. I'm not rubbish it. at it. Oh, you're really hurt. You thought you were good at this, didn't you? That's very good. I don't understand why you would say that. I have, I have, I have been trained by uh, some of the best beatboxers in the world. You're very good at lots of things, and I'm more than happy to praise you, you for the things you're very good at, including beatboxing. beatboxing. Thank you. You're Jonathan. very good at beatboxing. Thank you. That didn't hurt, mm. did it? No. Thank you. Lovely to see. You. Have you got anything nice for this weekend? Uh, yes, a weekend of socialising lies ahead. <laughs> Well, where, what are you doing? Right. Barbecue? No, dinner party. Oh, nice. Dinner party nice. tomorrow. I'm going for drinks tonight. Oh, there's a surprise. I've been invited for drinks. What do you mean there's a surprise? I, I think you may have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I do worry you about reckon? It. Yeah, I can get you into a You reckon I'm turning into my Auntie Anne? <laughs> she, she, have I ever told you about my Auntie Anne? No, you haven't. She had a chauffeur-driven Larder Riva. So she could get sloshed in the back. And as a child, I don't know whether you like this. As a kid, I used to like to go and sit in people's cars. Yeah, I did actually. Did yes. you, can I go and sit in your car? Yeah. And well, I yeah, s- that's true. Do you remember that? <laughs> I, I said to Auntie Anne once, I said, Can I go and sit in your car? And she said, Yes, those are the keys. And I went to a Larder Riva. Yeah. I opened the glove box and two bottles of vodka and 40 players fell out. Cigarettes? Yeah. Yeah, okay. 
I'm just well, she just sat in the back getting sloshed. Yes, you, you know there are some people that think it could be genetic. So just <laughs> runs in the family. Just be careful. <laughs> just be careful. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to press this button and we'll find out what you're talking about in a okay. second. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, quite a big subject on the show this morning, isn't uh, it? Yes, this morning on the big phone-in at nine, I'm asking, should we bring back the death penalty for killers like Mark Bridger? He abducted and murdered five-year-old April Jones and won't reveal what he did with her body. Mark Bridgers is 47. He'll now spend the rest of his life in prison with no chance of parole. It costs, on average, £34,000 a year to keep somebody in prison. However, because Bridger is considered to be high risk, do you know how much it will cost per year to keep him in prison? Not a clue. £61,594. Wowzers. Now, he's 47 at the moment. If he lives to the average male life expectancy, which is 78, Mm. it will cost the taxpayer almost £2 million to keep him behind bars for the rest of his life. Lots of people on the internet this morning are calling for killers like him, who have committed the most awful murders, to face the death penalty. The question is, could we bring it back? Would it serve any purpose in our society bringing back the death penalty for killers like Mark Bridger? I want us to discuss this this morning from nine. The phone lines are open on 08459 Should we bring back the death penalty for killers like Mark Bridger? No, it doesn't work. The death penalty doesn't work. It doesn't work as a deterrent. And if it works as a method of saving money, though, doesn't it? We wouldn't have to spend two million. Do you know what? I think that's money well spent. I do think that's money well spent, keeping someone like that alive in prison because they are suffering. And people say, oh, we'll be playing PlayStation. It won't be at all. Do you know what, though? Yeah. My, I, I know somebody who used to be the prison warden who looked after Myra Hindley. Gosh, wow. That's, yes. That's a good claim to fame. And uh, she was very into tapestry, things like that. She had, you name it, her, her cell, her prison cell apparently was covered in pillows and cushions that she'd made. She'd yep. sit there all day. She had as many cigarettes as she wanted to smoke. Thankfully, eventually, that's what killed her. Yep. Uh, she had, you name it, she had it. She had status within the prison. She became institutionalised, so it was quite normal for her to be in that prison. Is that punishment? Yes. Is that punishment enough for somebody who has committed the kinds of crimes that she committed, the kinds of crimes that this man has committed? And also, the, another reason it can't work is if we make one mistake and we exercise execute one innocent person then we've lost and we have executed innocent people in the past there's very little doubt that mark bridger was guilty of. but you can't did. you couldn't pick and choose you couldn't pick and choose the cases could you if the death penalty is there well i don't know why not you see but people that, that we've been looking at and we'll hear the views of of some people who are expressing their opinions on the internet after nine but they seem to be suggesting that the death penalty should only be brought back for people like this for people right. who have killed children yep. for people who have committed the worst kinds of murders this would not necessarily have to be brought back for all murderers but for those people like him for the likes of ian huntley the worst most despicable murderers in our society is the death penalty the only punishment that really fits the crime oh, i'm gonna be listening today it's gonna be a good one thanks thank you call 08459 555 555 bbc three counties radio i'll be listening to that 
be fascinating. Jonathan Vernon-Smith on every weekday morning between nine o'clock. It's a cracking show. It really is good. Lots of different things. Eleven o'clock, it's the consumer hour as well. Now, detectives hunting the sex attacker who got into a woman's car at a Dunstable petrol station in February made a fresh appeal for help on last night's crime watch. The victim was forced at knife point to drive to Tomlinson Avenue where she was subjected to a serious sexual assault. Well, Detective Inspector Ruth Dodsworth is the investigating officer and works for the Beds, Cambridge and Hearts Major Crime Unit. Uh, Ruth, could you just remind us what happened? Yes, good morning. Um, you're right. Uh, the attack happened back on the 21st of February and it began at about 5 to 7 in the evening when uh, the victim was literally just waiting to pull out into Pointers Road from the Shell petrol station and the man got into the passenger seat of her car very quickly and pulled a knife on her, grabbed her by the hair and had control of her really quickly and forced her to drive to Tomlinson Avenue where the assault took place. Uh, you appealed on Crime Watch last night. Have you had any leads from last night's show? Yes, I think that the um, reconstruction made by Crime Watch showed just how terrifying an experience it was for the victim, and I think people have responded to that, and we've had some really interesting calls. A lot about the clothing, the distinctive trousers worn by the offender. It, they had fluorescent marks on either side of, of the trousers, and they were different on either side, and people have phoned in suggesting specific brands, and also um, professions that wear them, and specifically professions close to them that wear them, so we're following, following those up. And if people think they, they may, may know something about it, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, the incident room number is 01707 355959 or um, Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 Well, listen, best of luck with that. What a horrific uh, event, and um, we should be following that uh, keenly. That's Detective Inspector Ruth Dodsworth. Uh, well, it was a real, a big night for us on Crime Watch last night, it would appear. DCI Sean uh, Basri is the leading officer on the murder of Thomas Ward from Stevenage. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. Uh, what, uh, can, can you remind us of this case, please? Yes, this was a, a shooting in Stevenage uh, on the 24th of April this year, whereby Thomas Ward was uh, asleep at home in his caravan, whereby he was disturbed, and then when he went outside, he was shot. Uh, and fatally killed, uh, whilst his wife and his five-day-old daughter lay asleep inside. Deary me. You're looking for specific people, aren't you? There's, there's two strands to our investigation. First is the actual incident on the night, and the, the second is those involved both pre- and post-offence. And in relation to that, we are after uh, John Boy Ward and his wife, Jolene Josie Ward, who we appealed for last night in, on Crime Watch, yes. And did you get any leads from Crime Watch last night? Well, we had an excellent response from Crime Watch, and there's uh, several inquiries that we are doing this morning to follow those up, yes. And again, Sean, if, if people want to get in touch with this story, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, again, it's, two, it's twofold. First of all, our incident room is 01707 555 and we've been working very closely with Crime Stoppers, who've put up £5,000 uh, as a reward for anyone convicted of these offences. And they can be contacted on 0800 So, Sean, one question, just going off on a very slight tangent, if you'll indulge me. How, does, how do Crime Watch choose the crimes? Do the police get in touch with them and say, we need particular help on this? How does it work? Uh, it is, yes. Uh, we do that. We get in touch with them and we say, we need the support of the public. 
We need people to phone in. We know a lot of material, but we still need the help of the public and those out there. And that's how we get in touch with them. OK, well, listen, good, good work. And, and uh, do keep us informed of how that uh, goes. A, a claim to fame. Bed hearts and boxes on Crime Watch big time last night. Doesn't that make you feel proud? Huh? Hear me. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on a lighter note. What have you done to impress uh, a, a boy or a girl or, or anyone in your life? I became a veggie. Um, we've heard from one gentleman who lied. I suppose we can we can broaden this out, can't we? What lies have you done? Have you told to impress someone? Uh, one gentleman who said he was Robbie Williams's cousin. I know that Danny Baker used to pretend to be David Essex's brother. I know, you could see it, when you, you could kind of see it. And I think, if I remember the story correctly, he was caught out because he ended up being in the same room as David Essex. And the girl is going, oh, look, it's, it's your brother over there. Ah, yeah, we've had an argument. We're not talking at the moment. <laughs> what porcupines have you told to, uh, to try and get someone into your life? 08459 455 Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. We've got live music coming in in about ooh, 15 minutes' time. Very excited. Always nice to have a bit of, a li- a bit of live music on a Friday. If you're a band or an act or, or something... When I say a band or an act, I've got to be careful because I don't just mean the run-of-the-mill kind of band. Something a little bit different musically that you think might fit this show, do send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk, I-A-I-N.L-E-E at bbc.co.uk. What we don't want, it's easier to say what we don't want, we don't particularly want, although we've had, and they've all been excellent, but we don't particularly want a singer-songwriter or a couple of guys with acoustic guitars or a, a, a nice little folk band, uh, although we've had all of those things and they've been superb. But, but, what, the ones we've had that have worked have been a little bit odd. We had some indie music last week, not saying that's odd. Uh, but we had um, uh, a cappella group the week before. We had some rock songs being played on harps. We had the bagpipes. Uh, we had a ukulele group. Do you see what I'm getting at? Something a little bit left of centre. Uh, if you think you could uh, fill that gap one Friday morning and come in the studio and uh, and, and play us one or two songs, then um, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. Talking about forced marriage, Pat has uh, texted in. Pat says, forced marriages which include children, grooming of young white children, murder on our streets, and more within communities that many expect the vast majority of these people in this country should integrate with. We keep being told that the Asian communities only have a minority that are fanatical. I don't think so, and I will never embrace their culture. Am I a racist? No, I consider myself human. Well, Pat, you mentioned there the grooming of young white children. I don't know if you've seen the front pages of the newspaper today. It was a white guy that did it. Uh, so I, I don't quite get your point there. I know there have been a couple of stories recently, but I, I suspect uh, a, a, lots of white men and women have been grooming young white children as well. So y- your point is slightly invalid. As is murder on the streets, white people do that. So I, 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 I'm glad for your text. I don't necessarily agree with it. Uh, and on the subject of what have you done to uh, impress somebody... Um, Ian. Oh, he spells it I-A-N. I don't even know if I should read this out, for goodness sakes. He spells it incorrectly. At least he, he acknowledges he spells it incorrectly. Things I've done to impress. When I was 15, I loved playing football and didn't like horses. I also fancied a girl who spent a lot of time around horses. I'm suspicious of these horsey types. I really am. There's something not quite right about them. 
I went down to the stables one afternoon to try and impress her. A horse stood on my foot and bruised it to the extent that I had to take a month off football. The girl wasn't impressed. I missed a month of my main activity, and now I hate horses even more. I never got horses. And people that are... I, 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 listen, I like jodhpurs, jodhpurs and boots. I think I'd look dashing in a pair of jodhpurs. In fact, I might wear some jodhpurs to work next week. I'm only in two days next week. I know. I might wear jodhpurs both days. They do look good, don't they? But uh, I never trust these horsey types at all. They're, they're, they're obsessed with horses. It doesn't really work for me at all. So it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me why anyone would be particularly into horses. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't impress a horsey person at all, Ian. And uh, shame on you. 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call uh, on that. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash bbc3cr or you can send me an email, ian.lee at bbc.co.uk. By the way, I should say, if you do keep sending really boring emails that are constantly criticising me, I'll acknowledge them, but if I keep getting them, I'll just, I'll, just block, I'll just block the email address as I've just done with someone. Oh, so tedious, for goodness sakes. Right, we're talking about what you've done to uh, impress somebody. Well, I became a vegetarian to get a girl to go out with me. It worked. Me and Kerry Wakeford, oh, we had a great 18 months together until she dumped me and broke my heart, but I'm not bitter about it anymore. Justin Dealey. <laughs> Justin Dealey. You becoming a veggie. What's wrong You're with You're just that? crazy, aren't you? You're just a crazy guy. <laughs> why, why is that? <laughs> Listen, I know you're taking the mick, yeah, but why, yeah. why would you take the mick out of someone doing something that has that, that is A, ethically minded, yeah. and B, romantically minded? But Ian, come on. What? You, you, you're a good guy, okay? You're yeah. a handsome guy, you're Correct. a funny guy, you don't need to share yourself why should you become a vegetarian simply to impress somebody it's ridiculous well, but the thing is I, I, I was toying with the idea but i couldn't make the commitment because i did like bacon and i did like lamb yeah <laughs> but but knowing that kerry was a vegetarian that was the thing that just kind of pushed me over the edge and i'm glad i did let's just say justin for 20 months it worked yes oh, i'm sure yes, it, it did and then it fell miserably and she broke thought, my heart and then you thought why did i do it in the first place well um i've been in lucent i've been asking people what they've done to impress their partners some interesting stories this is what people People have told me. A couple of months ago, there was uh, we were, I was out with my girlfriend shopping, and uh, she wanted some earphones, and they were about 120 quid. And I thought it was the most ridiculous price yeah. in the world for a pair of earphones. But she suddenly got the ump, and she got upset, and so she went to the she went to the bathroom. And the time she got back, I went and bought them, and uh, it made her day. It just hit my pocket a bit too hard, but yeah, and that's that's the last thing that um, I done that was a little bit special that she 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 appreciated. I would cook for a woman best way in my mind works most of the time okay so, so what do you cook uh, take us through a, a typical dish typical dish for me would be like roast chicken boiled veg because you've got to get their health and all that lot in mind as well you can't cook them chips it's just not a woman's heart they want the easy healthy option it's got to be tasty and healthy definitely and, um, what do you think about ian back in the studio ian became a vegetarian to impress his other half is that just bordering on ridiculous well, for a meat man myself, I wouldn't change what I do, what I eat, to impress a woman. If she doesn't take it the way I want it, I'd leave her. We would just try and help out with his two children because his wife abandoned them. But, you know, we, I don't need to impress him because he likes me the way I am. And I like him the way he is. It's just sometimes the two children bring me to a point where I could scream. <laughs> <laughs> Rosalind, you really pull out the stops to impress your partner. Can you tell us what you do to impress? Um, cook him a nice meal, go with him when he wants to go to cricket, watch cricket on the television. (laughs) 
He's got his dream woman here, isn't he? Goes to New Zealand and watches cricket with him. <laughs> I mean, he's a lucky guy, isn't he? <laughs> I should hope so. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about what you cook him. If you were going to really impress him, he comes back from work, what would you cook pie. him? He loves his meat pie. Really, but that's his favourite. So he comes home from work and you don't tell him, you go, there you go, big boy, there's your pie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why are you being so sleazy with that lady who's obviously of, of a pensionable age? But she agreed. Oh, but mate, she said come definitely, on. Definitely. Here you go. All right, so your, your fella comes home, here you go, big boy, D- dig into my meat pie. I thought I was being very professional. Do you want to be live here in the radio car? Is, uh, is Kay. Kay, tell us what you've done to impress your partner. Um, I went to church, like, basically, that's the only thing that I could do to impress her, so I had to go to church, meet all of her friends, meet her family, and that's the only way I got, you know, with her. And did you enjoy the whole experience of going to church for the first time? Um, kind of, kind of, it was a bit new to me, but, yeah. you know. But it I, worked. Oh, yeah, I know it worked in the end, you know, I'm, I'm a happy man now, so. Lovely. You know. Great stuff, Kay, appreciate your time. Hi, thank you, have thank a nice you, day. Thank you very much, that was okay. So, uh, he's impressed this partner by going to church. Some interesting ideas coming forward. I'm trying to feel the love this morning, in between now and I feel it and embrace it. You're a really unpleasant gentleman, aren't you? Why am I unpleasant? <laughs> You've got all sleazy this morning. No, it's Friday. Come on, it's we're in a good mood. It's, it's right. Friday, the weekend's round the corner. Yeah, what, looking forward what, to what it. What time are you getting back to the studio? Um, I'll be coming back in around uh, 15 or 20 minutes' time. What man, do you want? Man hug? Uh, yeah, big man hug. You want a man hug? Yeah. Good yeah. luck. All right, well, I'll see you in 15 minutes then, fella. Thanks. We'll have a man hug. We'll have a man hug. Sometimes there's nothing better than just grabbing a bloke and hugging him. Huh? Patting him on the back, saying, I love you, man. I love you, man. Oh, uh, Justin? Yes. Justin, sorry, can you just stay there for a second? Of course I can. We're joined now by a gentleman called Patrick Swan, who I think you might want to talk to. Morning, Patrick. Good morning. Patrick, what do you do for a living? Uh, well, I, I help people with their image. You help people <laughs> with their image. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I help polish them. You know? Many times people are a little bit rough. Well, I wonder if you can help, Patrick. We have we have an ongoing, recurring problem here at BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, it, it, its name is Justin Dealey, uh, yeah. and Justin is how old are you, Justin? Thirty-six. Um, w- whatever age you want to call me. Okay, so Justin's nearly forty. <laughs> okay. uh, he um, highlights his hair. Yeah. He has fake tan. He wears jeans with a huge rip in it. Today he's got a big white um, Starsky and Hutch cardigan and uh, a pink top. He looks a little bit like a cross between um, the, the pop group Bross and Lamar. I don't uh, know if w- that's... W- David Soul come into this at all? No. No. Okay. Patrick, he's going wrong, isn't he? The beauty of radio he? presenting. Sorry? The beauty of radio presenting. Well, exactly, exactly. But he's out and about on the streets. He's talking to people. He's the face of BBC Three Counties Radio. He's a mess, isn't he? Well, uh... <coughs> He, I, I, I guess you could say he's somewhat approachable, but I think only from a distance. Mm. When, when did when did ripped jeans stop being fashionable for men in their late thirties? <laughs> ridiculous. Well, actually, it's, it's not the problem of being ripped jeans, but it's like how the jeans actually fit him and what he wears with them. I mean, you can wear a pair of ripped jeans if you've got a smart jacket on and great shoes and a great shirt. You know, yeah. you can take one piece and have it slightly distressed, but. If, they, if they're baggy jeans and he's wearing a baggy shirt yep. and he's wearing just, you know, trainers or something, that kind of doesn't really, that doesn't really crest in the fashion. He wears, he wears smart black shoes that haven't been polished in a year and he never does the shoelaces up. He wears a baggy T-shirt that's um, ripped down to his navel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I mean, it, it's... I find it oppressive. 
Well, not everybody is blessed with a style gene. That's first. Yep. And, not, and, and, and to be honest with you, many people are just not interested in fashion. Yep. People who come to me and people like me are looking to change and, and, and go through a metamorphosis to reinvent themselves. They're, they're, they're conscious. Whatever people don't really have that interest in looking in the mirror and seeing themselves and getting that sort of breath that says, oh, I look great, I can go out and conquer the world. If you don't have that, you kind of never will. Can I just make a point here? Please and do, just A very quick point. Um, obviously, you're talking to us right now down the phone line. Um, I'm going to make um, a stereotypical comment here, but, but are you probably a mess yourself? Because, and I, I make a relevant point, <laughs> you, you if, you, if you talk to any relationship expert, nine times out of ten, they are single. You talk to somebody who thinks they know everything about fashion, they look dreadful. Are you with me? Well, some to some degree. I make it. I make it. You can't. I, I try. I try not to generalize too much. But you know, uh, you know, there are there are people who do what I do, and I would actually say that is part of the criteria. However, I'm 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 sort of in my own little world, and I really believe in style all the way through. I'm like how I. How I live, how I dress are all very important to me. You sound, you sound a very stylish gentleman, Patrick. Finally, have you ever seen a hopeless case like Justin, where someone's walked in and you've just gone, oh my God, no, I'm sorry, I can't do anything with you, goodbye? Well, no, there's always something you can do with people. It's just really how open people are to be helped and how interested they are to maintain that, you know? How uh, open are you, Justin? Very open. Okay, we listen. We might, Patrick. I really appreciate you coming on. It's very kind of you. We we might um, put you two in touch to see if there's any any miracles that could be worked, Patrick. That would be great. I always I always welcome you know, people who are interested in making an effort to look their best. Patrick, you're you're a gentleman and a good sport. Thank you very much for coming on, Justin. We're just trying to help you. All that I do for you, all that I do, you are a rotten, rotten man. I take it all back. I was saying nice things earlier. I take it all back. Thanks, Justin. Thanks. Now, you're going to hear noise in this. Morning, everybody. Good morning. You, you, you set up. Oh, my God, look, we've got kits and everything. Oh, my, oh my God, look at the size. You can't bring that in here, I'm afraid. That's too big. What on earth is that? Susan Phone. That's a Susan Phone. Of course it is. I knew that. Yeah, I knew it was a Susan Phone. Of course I did. You set yourselves up. We're getting ready for the Luton ja- uh, Youth Jazz Orchestra, who have, uh, well, there's lots and lots of you, and they brought lots of bits and pieces in. Oh, my goodness gracious me. I'm very excited. Uh, well, well, you give us a thumbs up when you're all set up. All right. Okay. It's good, isn't it? Uh, by the way, if you want to get in touch, we've uh, had a couple of stories this week that have come uh, from you, dear listeners. So if you want to get in touch with a story that you think we should cover, and it can be a huge story that represents your county or your town, or it can be a small one that represents you, uh, you can send me an email. And also, if you want to come and take part in this uh, Friday music section that we do, you can. If, if you're a little bit, something a little bit unusual i'm not being rude i'm just saying you're all unusual but something a little bit uh, left of center uh, not just you know two blokes with acoustic guitar singing about uh, having their hearts broken <laughs> yeah, but isn't it just we can get that anywhere i could do that or maybe i'll do it next friday i'll bring my uh did something a little bit uh, more exciting then send me an email ian.lee i-a-i-n.l-e at bbc.co.uk uh, and if you've got any youtube links or anything like that so we can kind of get a little feel for what's going on uh, then that will be really helpful and you could end up setting up your equipment live on air, if uh, you so requires. How are we looking, boys and girls? Not bad. Uh, how, d- how on earth do you carry that suzerain about on the bus? That's that's got to be a nightmare, isn't it? Look at that, massive. 
Have we got a spokesperson? Who's gonna? I probably probably myself. What's what's your name yourself? Simon Router. S- Simon, th- th- tell me a little bit about the the Luton Youth Orchestra. Luton Youth Jazz Orchestra. L- oh, excuse me. Yes. Careful. Not careful. to be confused with the Luton Youth uh, Orchestra, who are abs- rubbish. Well, actually, a lot of them playing that as well. <laughs> okay, they're good as well. Don't, don't you know? Works for the same authority. Yes, you know, they're don't, excellent. Don't worry. Uh, Joe, we're ten years old. Yep. Uh, part of the Luton Music Service. We gig all over the place. We've we've gigged here quite a few times. Yeah, people. Um, I try to think. Where are we next? We're at Strictly Fate. This right. group's playing at a concert 29th of June. Uh, won national awards over the years. So we've got one, two, three, four, five, six people in. Introduce yourselves. Just shout your names out. Emily. Emily. Hey, Ari. There we go. Simon. Greg. Kurt. There we go. Okay, and and uh, th- I'm assuming this isn't the the whole no, ensemble. Th- Thirty five is the whole group. Where are the others then? The ladies. They're, they're just outside. Yeah. Get them in. Uh, are you are you ready to? Oh, you're doing your drums. Are you ready to give us a little blast of something? Absolutely. Uh, Kelly, uh, that noise you can hear there is Kelly Betts. You just have to hold it like that. Keep your finger under it. There we go. Right. What have you got for us? We have um, originally the Eurythmics. Yes. Um, oh. This uh, dirty brass version or hip hop version, Soul Rebels Brass of Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. Fantastic. Let's have some of that. I'll oh, shut up. Away you go. All right. Bar nine. Ready? Yeah. One. Uh, uh. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> I've gone completely deaf, but that was brilliant. <laughs> That was the hardest mixing job I've had in ages. I thought, well, see how they put, put some headphones on, because someone's called in. Oh. I think it may be one of the neighbours to complain. Hang on a second. Uh, Ruth's in Stopsy. Morning, Ruth. Sorry, Morning, have, have you called... No, it's not one of the neighbours to complain. Oh. First oh, of all, nice. I want to say, oh, I, I wouldn't describe myself as a jazz person. No. Having listened to that group this morning, I could take jazz. They are fantastic. Oh, you enjoy... It's a thumbs up from Ruth in Stopsy. That's good. L- Luton... Luton has got talent. Hurrah! Hasn't it just? That's what you want to hear on a Friday morning, isn't it? You want something like that. Would you be, would you, uh, do you want to come round to your house and do a gig in your house? Because I tell you what, they're flipping loud. (laughs) My ears are ringing, Ruth. Well, listen, I, th- I think the neighbours might complain. The, the neighbours might. I think ours might be a little bit upset this morning. Ruth, well, that's very kind of you to call in and, and tell them you thought they were good. Thank you. It was a, it was a lovely interlude on a Friday morning. Thank there you, you go, you see. But they're, they're Ruth saying you're a lovely interlude on a Friday morning. Fantastic. That's good, isn't it? Absolutely. What, so what kind of places are you playing then? What kind of gigs do you get to go to? Um, well, this group uh, is a kind of subgroup of the. Right. couldn't fit everyone in, obviously. Yep. So this group is performing at a charity gig at Wigmore Church on the 29th of June. Yep. Um, but Lijo, uh, Crikey, the full group, we're at Strictly Fate on the 8th of June, we're at Bushmead Fate on the 22nd of June, Harper and Highland Gathering on the Sunday, uh, Sunday the 14th of July, Hexton Fate on the 1st of September. Um, Can you ever take a rest, for goodness no. sake? Is there, if people want to find out more, is there a website or something? Absolutely, on Facebook, if you like the yep. Luton Youth Jazz Orchestra page, yep. you'll find us there, or follow, <coughs> follow us on Twitter at, at Luton Youth Jazz. Okay. You got any more songs you can do for us? Is we, that we, your... we can do more. Listen, d- do us another song. We've only got about a minute left. Okay. Oh. So if I, if I start talking and going into travel, don't We won't take rude. offence. No, don't be, but you could be the travel bed as well. You, it's, it's a rare <laughs> honour. Do you get to play underneath Adam Glynn? Not many people get that. Is that allowed? It, well, it, it, not on BBC, but we'll, we'll sneak <laughs> it through. Go on, what have you got for us now? This is Youngblood's Brooklyn. Away you go. Should we go from the right end or something? Nah, top, top three. One, two, uh, uh. It's criminal to do this, but here's Adam Glynn with the latest travel. Adam, try and be loud as you can, please. Problem.
Tommy and Will do. Everything sounding pretty smooth there. Out on the roads, no major problems at the minute. M25 running well. Roadworks in Wing may be causing a little bit of a delay. The A418 Leighton Road through Wing. Temporary traffic lights for gas main work at Stukeley Road. Around Watford, a little busy on the A412 as you come to the Town Hall roundabout. It's mainly on the westbound side that it's looking busy. Into London, the A1 through Mill Hill, queuing from Apex Corner. And on the trains, we have some delays for Greater Anglia services. Up to 15 minutes worth from Liverpool Street through to Chingford, Chesant and Cambridge because of signalling problems earlier this morning between Liverpool Street and Bethnal Green. Could be affecting services through until about 10 o'clock this morning and affecting the Stansted Express as well. Other train services through the three counties running well and no delays on the tubes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. your lot. I'll be back on Monday at six o'clock. JBS is up next. Have a nice weekend. Ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. I'm a bit deaf now, too.